This show is brought to you by Tahoe Lab Snowboards. Abe and Lee at Tahoe Lab are building boards for riders using a bamboo core in two different constructions, traditional and phantom. The traditional uses two sheets of carbon fiber and two sheets of triaxial fiberglass to build a bomber board that can take years of abuse. The Phantom uses aerospace carbon fiber to build the lightest, most responsive board possible, helping to keep the weight low for those long days of touring in the backcountry. Finally, Tahoe Lab boards feature a DuraSurf base to keep you gliding effortlessly. Go to www.taholab.com and use the discount code DS15 at checkout for your 15% discount on all your board purchases. This episode is brought to you by Fernie Brewing. FernieBrewing.com. Pro Standard. Check out Ken Achenbach's full line of GoPro mounts, including the grill mount, the single most versatile GoPro mount ever made. Use the code DARKSTARTS for free shipping when you order at www.prostandard.com. Elevated Surfcraft, shaping the way we ride frozen waves. Elevated Surfcraft, tailoring surf-inspired boards for snow. Pick up a board from their web shop at elevatedsurfcraft.com for 15% off using the promo code DS15. Smartwool. Smartwool wants to get you outside and do what feels natural so you can go far and feel good. Visit smartwool.com and check out their line of merino wool layers, socks, and outerwear. And use the code DS10 at checkout. Yeehaw! Give her a whirl! Whereabouts are you? Just right at the bottom of the clearing. Okay, I'll meet you down there. Dropping in. Doing this crazy commute thing where I work all week and then run up to the ski hill and snowboard all weekend and try to go bell to bell every day that I could and then run back to work and then like hop on a plane, go to Europe and compete for four days and then hop on a plane <laughs> back to work. It's like pretty hectic schedule there for a while. Welcome to episode 46 of Dark Starts, your backcountry splitboarding podcast. In this one, we talk with Jonathan Penfield, splitboarder and three-time first place finisher in men's snowboard on the Free Ride World Tour in Hakaba, Japan, Verbier, Switzerland, and Kicking Horse, British Columbia, Canada. So grab you a tasty cold one and listen in. Let's drop in with John Penfield. So John, thanks a lot for coming on the show today. You know, we really appreciate you, t- you taking your time out of your busy snow schedule and uh, coming to chat with us today a little bit more about who John is and uh, what's John all about. So how's your day going? Yeah, yeah, it's going great. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, today's been mellow. We just got off two days of touring the last two days and uh, just did some chores around the house, nice. put a hitch on my van and uh, did a mellow little bike ride around town. Your van, is it a van you can sleep in? It is, yeah. It's uh, an express camper van conversion that I've been working on for a while. Nice. Is that the all-wheel drive van? It is, yeah. Sweet. So yeah, I've been... Ready uh, for the snow. That just came to my radar. There was... Uh, I was at work and I saw a guy had one of those. Um, actually, I think he converted his to a four-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, but there's uh, yeah. conversions. Yeah. yeah. Not yeah, cheap. Well, no. yeah. This is the town for it though. <laughs> yeah. You know, in this town people are throwing that kind of money down and uh they're mm-hmm. doing most of the work themselves to be honest with you. But uh 
another friend of mine who's big into dirt biking, um, he just picked one up. Actually, he's got the Savannah, so the Chevy version of it, right? Mm-hmm. No, the, G- yeah, the GM much, version. Yeah, of it. it's yeah. basically the, the same exact thing. Yeah, yeah. Just different branding. Yeah. So pretty sick. Yeah, I love them. I'm paying a lot of attention to them now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're a little short, so the interior is definitely not standing room. It's kind of like right. kneeling room, just about. But, um, yeah, as far as, you know, convenience of having something you can get anywhere you need to go and not... Yeah. Yeah. Paying an arm and a leg for something bigger works out pretty good. Or hotels. Yeah. Yeah, that too. Yeah. But yeah, there's no hotels on the sickest mountain passes. So Hell no. The, uh, yeah. Living in a vehicle can work out That's pretty well. It's a couple hour that. drive usually. That's nice. So you just had a couple days of tours. What were you touring? Um, yeah, I just went up with my girlfriend up uh, Duffy Lake area here in uh, coastal BC area. And yeah, just two days of some mellow riding in the woods. It's pretty fun. Nice. So did you camp out or you camped out your camper van? Yeah, so we spent um yeah, just one night in the camper van. Um there there's uh you know, the runs are some of the runs are pretty close to the highway, so easy enough to just like stay at the road. Nice. And then head out for the morning. That's super convenient. I'm very jealous. Very jealous. (laughs) For now, until we get our own stuff going on and we can do that ourselves. Yeah. It's just a matter of time. Things are rocking and rolling in a good way. Hopefully we can get some, the season seems to be changing for us here. We're getting some snow. The normal seasonal weather is rolling in. Oh, this is not normal, Chad. Chad's referring to some cold because we've had a terrible winter up until last week. Uh, well, maybe the week before. And then we started to see some snow, some normal seasonal snow and some normal seasonal temperatures. And then yeah. hell unleashed cool. the deep freeze yeah. on us. And we are currently sitting in minus 40, feels like minus 50-ish weather. That's normal. Oh, yeah. No, that's not normal. Well, <laughs> I've worked in the crap and no. it's usually 38 below for at least a week every year. Yeah, 38 below is one thing, Chad, but feels like <laughs> minus 50 in town. I've never seen that here. So Yeah, yeah that's pretty brutal. We've still... got, I guess that uh, weather's coming our direction right now. We've had pretty mild temperatures and decent snow lately, but I think we've got some Arctic outflows coming in the next week or so. Sweet. Good. We're... For us, it's nice to have sunshine, but you can have sometimes it. it comes in with a whole lot of wind that kind of destroys this snowpack. Yeah. Hoping that doesn't happen. Yeah, we've had, um, yeah, we've definitely had some good bluebird for sure, but it's been brutally cold, brutally cold. Like, uh, this is cold I've never experienced in town here before. I mean, I've worked in minus 65 before, but that was the last time I worked in the field <laughs> in, in the winter. So uh, I was done after that yeah. because that was brutally cold. But yeah, crazy. How, um, so how's your season been, John? Mm-hmm. Like how, what's yeah. it been like um, for you from, you know? Yeah, it's been, it's been good here. We had a bit of a slow start, um, but then things picked up and it's been kind of like either storming really hard or not doing anything at all. So kind of just trying to take advantage of those stormy times and get out there as much as possible and then focus on work and other stuff once uh, once the snow dries up or the conditions go sour. What do you do for work? Um, I do some consulting for a science company in California doing uh, software quality control. Oh. So fortunately, I live on kind of my own schedule for that. You can kind of work hours as I please, as long as I can 
get everything I needed to do done. So can kind of arrange around the weather as that goes, other than some meetings here and there. That's uh, nice. That sounds like an ideal gig for a guy that. like yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a lot of years of work trying to like kind of get to that position where I have a company that can trust me enough to be able to be on my own schedule. As long as you show them your dedication and you actually do your work, they don't have a problem with that. And through mm-hmm. COVID right now, it seems to be the world is moving in that direction uh, a lot more. Yeah. You know, be your own boss at home and you know get your shit done, and you can have a couple extra days off that week because you get your done done more compressed, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. I've, yeah. had, I've had to turn my turn my tables around as well with this podcast and become my own boss. And I've really had to be the one who I have to be the boss I hate to get things done. <laughs> yep, sometimes that's necessary. Yeah, to push I, the to get to the spot you want to be at. Yeah, I was getting up at eleven, realizing that my days burnt away. Now I'm up at six a.m. and meditation and getting all the gears running and let's hit the ground freaking running. So that's been me. Yeah. So I hear you. That's great. Good afternoon. I try. I don't always do it. <laughs> so, John, where'd you grow up? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I grew up in Truckee, California. Um, oh, yeah. Nice. Big time snowboard town, really. When I was growing up in, like, the early 90s there was, uh, yeah, a lot going on, like standard films. Yeah. Based out of there, doing a ton of filming and, you know, all the legends at Squaw and whatnot. I uh, spent most of my time riding at Northstar. Okay. Which is like a flat star is the old <laughs> name for it. Um, which is, yeah, kind of a funny place to end up like being more of a free rider later on in life. But uh, tons of powder there and nobody really knows how to ski or snowboard that well. So you can go ride all the steeper terrain and not really have to worry about too many crowds for that stuff. Sweet. Now, did you did you start life as a skier or start life as a snowboarder on mm-hmm. the snow? Yeah, I started off doing like ski racing when I was pretty little. Uh, I got a lot of like seventh places and sixth places. All right. And I'm kind of just now in the last few years maybe realizing that I think there are only like six or seven kids in my group. That's <laughs> 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 such consistent results there. Nice. Um, but yeah, then a friend of mine was like, hey, let's try snowboarding. So tried it and I think it was like I don't know two days of that and then the skis hung up for the rest of the year yeah dude just the rest of the year do you ever put skis back on every time you skip um, boats I've skied a few times <laughs> and, and it's always really fun to switch it up like having two edges just makes everything so easy you can just like carve GS turns through mogul fields no problem whereas on a snowboard you really gotta like work focus to do that yeah you gotta work but yeah no, i kind of always find my snowboard is more of a toy for me to play around on and skis are more of like transportation yeah getting from a to b is yeah. kind of the way i see it yeah but definitely want to get some more time skiing but for now I'm pretty focused on just the sideways boarding so and uh your girlfriend is she a skier or a snowboarder yeah she skis oh, okay so when you guys go backcountry together, she's waiting for you to transition all the time. <laughs> uh, well, she's just started in the backcountry oh, recently, okay. so cool. um, yeah, pretty similar transition times. I'll help her out here and there, but um, yeah, it's good to you know just help her with some tips and whatnot, and 
yeah, work on my own transitions. Yeah, because you're still not on the, uh, have you tried a hard boot system yet at all? No, I, uh, I rode hard boots for one year. Uh, I grew up like doing uh, USASA stuff. So mm -hmm. I did like all the BS, Blom, half pipe, border cross, and slope style. Yeah. And I tried one year on hard boots, um, like race board setup. Yeah. And that was pretty fun to try out, but I really found it just so restrictive. Yeah. And I guess the uh, boots that people tour in these days are uh, quite a bit more flexible. Um, Definitely. But I think I'm still waiting for like the right binding for hard boots. I yeah. don't really like being on sort of like the pedestal, like raised up off the board. I like to be, you know, nice and close, like have my foot as close and be able to manipulate the board as much as possible. Well, the new ones, the Phantom Zone, you're pretty, you're pretty low. You're pretty damn low to the board. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much lower you can get. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm used to like the, the now binding, which is like, yeah. there's my foot and the boot and then there's like a centimeter just adding. And then right below that is the board. Yeah. You know, the, 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 like the, the now binding is definitely, if no one has experienced the now binding, it's definitely the game changer. When you're, I found <clears throat> for myself when I put my foot in it for the first time, it was like, I got locked in. The heel hooked me up. It was great. And it really helped my son. It helped me to learn to turn, like to actually get on my edge, as both edges, mm -hmm. because it's that pivotal point will push you over that spot where everybody does a little shuffle, a little slip. Slarve. Sure. Mm -hmm. That's Yeah, well there's like a there's a point where your binding will kinda like yeah. shift and flex as yeah. it like engages the snowboard. Yeah. Whereas a binding that has like the toe and heel um, like traction points will just put that force directly to the edge right yeah. as you go. Oh yeah. And I know my son, the minute he went from a, a Burton kids binding to the now binding, he made his first turn toe side without even a thought. Cause that board, the binding threw him over in his toes. It was, there was no, he didn't have a choice. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful. Yeah. So now he can ride normal bindings and he's killing it. He's in the step ons himself and it's, uh, it's great to see him still link turns and, I like the really I really like the step ons. I'm sold. I bought them myself, and um, I'm not getting paid. And I'm a lover of them. And I'm waiting for them to become <laughs> a, a step on a step on system for our split boarding because that's going to change everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quicker transitions that'd be sweet. The one can figure out the way to. Darren's shaking his head because he hasn't work. he hasn't been converted yet. <laughs> well, you know, for for resort riding, like no. on piece type of stuff, maybe. But uh, oh, dude, I just I. I just can't see a good stepping system, step on system, whatever you want to call it for uh backcountry. Man, I, f I fell last time I went riding a bunch of times in the snow. I shouldn't have, I couldn't get out of. Normally I would have been panicking to get my bindings off. It was a little pop with the lever. I was out, walked around, got out of the snow, got in a better place, clicked back in, rode away. It was <laughs> fucking amazing. Huh. Sold. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm still wrapping my head around you panicking. <laughs> with straps so instead of <laughs> too, pulling too deep of powder or what? yeah you're too deep in powder and you're, yeah. you're swimming and you got to get your bindings yeah. off like fuck where we go riding a powder king it's like that you got places where it's bottomless mm -hmm. yeah if you fall over yeah yeah i, I push myself that. so i tomahawk a lot i'm not care scared to do that so i know that i love them but anyways we're way off track <laughs> here 
Yeah, you just gotta you gotta go fast enough that you can tomahawk back to your feet. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> There's not enough of a pitch where we are. The slope isn't really that steep, so you kind of you gotta. Oh uh, yeah. Keep that momentum, or you're pooched, and that's usually where I am pooched mm-hmm. somewhere. <laughs> you gotta do the good old right. Austin Sweet and natural selection. Oh man, that was sick. That first run he did, man, <laughs> just through it. That written massive 360 to like. Yeah. A whole extra 180 of cork. Right. <laughs> flats. That was, that yeah. That was awesome. I love this bonk off that. He launches off the one hip and then he just like bonks the little ending. And yeah, it was sick. So good. Uh, Anyways. Um, yeah. I was just watching it for the first time because I've been away working and I wasn't going to watch it on my laptop. I waiting for the big television to watch natural selection. So that's what I did. <clears throat> Started watching tonight. And now we're doing this. So, so. Cool. So you got into snowboarding. Um, yeah, I just want to get mm-hmm. us back on track. So we, uh, yeah, we got back on track. Yeah, you were skiing at uh, Flat yeah, Star. So, uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I just dove straight into snowboarding. It was nice. like, um, I don't know, fourth grade or fifth grade or something, started doing that. And eventually, kind of like started riding faster than my mom. Who I was riding with <laughs> right. all the time, and and uh, then joined the dev team at Northstar they had at the time. So that was like um, just a bunch of kids, middle school, some high schoolers, um, just yeah, doing all the USASA amateur free amateur events there. Um, had some great coaches that have uh, you know helped push you to try every type of snowboarding, like get those fundamentals of turning down well enough for racing and everything like that. So that was like uh, pretty sick to do because on top of getting coaching and whatnot, you also got to like skip school to go snowboarding. Nice. And in middle school, it was like a few days a week, but then come high school, it was like every day of the week you're able to get out of school at like noon or something like that and head straight to the mountain. Wow. That's pretty ideal. Yeah. I yeah, th- it was a pretty awesome setup, and I think it was like, I don't know, go riding just about every day when it was halfway decent. I had to skip out of school Fridays. My mom gave me the rights at 18 to write my own notes, so I just like, Chad is feeling sick today. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we had, a, we had a setup where it was kind of like your PE was going snowboarding. So you kind of like write an essay to say like what you learned about physical fitness by going snowboarding a lot, stuff like that. Nice. And then I took a, took a couple courses at like a local community college that kind of helped bridge some credits that I could uh, get there instead of at high school. So like it takes like some night courses or even like a little bit of summer, summer school to get some classes out of the way. So how did you get, get up on the mountain? And now, and now you're doing like software Develop not development, but uh, was it uh, quality control okay. or quality assurance? So yeah, testing. Um, yeah, I was actually like kind of into coding a little bit when I was younger, just like some random little things, nothing like productive. Um, but yeah, kind of slowly built upon that year over year, and at least for science, um, did some schooling in science and started working in that area. So I was able to kind of like bridge that science background with some coding that I'd known before. Um, so that was pretty convenient to kind of transition working as like a, someone in a laboratory to working more on like the back end and 
nice. working with software that does science for you. Crazy. Yeah. Nice. So then how did you discover the fact that you wanted to start competing um, from snowboarding, you know, get into that comp- comp- competition side of the things? I know you fell in love with it. Like, yeah. Do. It's just like this. Um, it was, yeah, it was just what everybody on the development team did. Like everybody went to the USASA events. And oh, at first okay. I was like, oh, I had done some, I mean, like some ski racing and I, I was never really that serious about it. Didn't really concern myself too much about it. But starting snowboard contests, I was like a fair bit nervous at first, like as a little kid starting to compete and you've got like, you know, spectators, not that many, mostly just parents. Right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, just like it'd be pretty nervous starting out competing. But I think with the way that USASA was, you do a ton of events and it was like mostly with your friends and whatnot. It like kind of broke down those barriers and made it seem a lot more fun. Um had some times and I was like pretty nervous doing like border crosses where there were like maybe some older kids that were like yeah. kind of talking shit to you. Like, <laughs> I was a pretty scrawny little kid. Didn't really have any weight to keep up, but um, yeah, that was, yeah. So that was the intro to competing, doing those contests with USASA. And I kind of did that through till like the end of high school or so. Um, stopped doing the team, but, kept doing contests here and there and then uh, went to college in Utah, the university of Utah and did some of those like random little like rail jams and slope style contests here and there, but nice. just like super casual for fun. Yeah. Just at the local hills. Where, yeah. 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 I did one where I think I just like showed up at the mountain and like, Oh sweet. There's like a contest going on. So I like, signed up and it was the most casual thing ever. They're just like, yeah, just roll by the slope style course when you want to do your run. So I just like rolled by, did a run, and then just rode powder with my friends all day. And then I came back at the end of the day and like, hey, can I do my second run? They're like, yeah, sure. (laughs) Go for it. Did another run. (laughs) I think my buddy, my buddy skier, Conrad, was just like riding through the course with me at the time. Just like, it was just super casual. So yeah, stuff kind of like that. Um, But yeah, then the North Face Masters showed up on the scene at Snowbird, which was my like home resort at the time. And I was pretty psyched to enter that with a couple of friends. We've been watching the, uh, I forget the name of it, but the, the skiing extreme event that they had going on there. It was always like a huge spectacle. Like the, uh, the venue they have at Snowbird is really awesome. It's called the amphitheater. Um, Baldy is like the slope you go down and it's essentially like amphitheater shaped. Like there's this big, um, big wide open slope that's super featured and has like tons of gnarly stuff, especially right at the bottom. And then there's a flat area and a cat track and then like kind of this like amphitheater shaped bowl that faces the whole thing. So you get like tons of people up there like barbecue and drinking beers and just like hooting and hollering. Sometimes it'll be like, I don't even know, like 200 people down there watching, watching the events go down. So Nice. That was a cool environment to like start off with. Yeah. And had like some success with the first event there, but mostly was just hyped on like, you know, being able to snowboard down free ride terrain and have it be like judged and have a chance of like winning some cash. And they had these like six samurai swords as the prizes. So that was like definitely <laughs> hyped us all up for how, that. How old were you then? Uh, I think it was like 
19 or 20 oh, yeah. at that point. Yeah, you're like Corona college. was the beer sponsor, but I wasn't old enough to drink. <laughs> they yeah. had uh, in the, the US. beers that like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they'd have like, you know, the athlete meetings, they'd have, it'd just be like a pump up party essentially, where they'd be giving out beers and everybody would just be getting stoked on going to ride. Nice. And then fortunately somehow for like the first few years when they were doing the North Face Masters, like it always snowed right during the event so it was like almost always a powder competition oh nice which for those pre-ride contests like sometimes it hasn't been snowing for a while you're just riding on like moguls and hard pack yeah it's just never fun kind of hard to motivate yeah yeah somehow we got super lucky for those first couple years it was like snowbird and then they did an event in alaska up in alaska in like april and yeah for both of those it just dumped and had super sick conditions so you went to ride in alaska then early early on Mm -hmm. in your career yeah so that was yeah the first time i'd snowboarded up there yeah pretty uh yeah pretty like funny the first time i ever like really traveled anywhere to snowboard so me and abe um you guys have it on tahoe lab manufacturer both uh yeah went up there together stayed in some like super stinky hostel uh funny situation there took a cab there and like wandered in through the dark and then yeah we just went and rode alieska which is super fun resort they've got some awesome terrain there and just like the steepness of the slopes there is like kind of mind-boggling you're like in alaska yeah dropping into stuff and it feels like it just goes straight down underneath you I can't wait to go. I want to go and do uh, Tilgit, Alaska, once that's allowed to do. We're allowed to go there again. Uh, mm-hmm. That looks like a great time. Yeah, yeah, the mountains up there are pretty thick. It can be kind of hard, though, Yeah. to hit the hit the clear weather, right? Like, it's a kind of a waiting game up there because there's not a whole lot of riding you can do, like, in flat light while it's snowing. Yeah, yeah. But then once it clears up, then it's, like, worth the wait. For sure, you hit that right. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I remember that from uh, the Art of Flight when I first watched that movie, and they're like mm-hmm. spending days just doing fucking stupid shit, buying guns, yeah. blowing up propane <laughs> tanks, and just fucking. <laughs> right. It's like I think we spent more money on uh, shit to keep us busy while we can't ride than the whole production. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, that was awesome. I get that. I haven't been out to Alaska yet either, but that's a goal very soon here in the near future for sure. Uh, yeah, it's worth it. So then you... Especially you guys are almost up in Alaska already. <laughs> that's so true. We are almost up. We're on the, the Alaskan weather. highway. We have the weather yeah. right now. <laughs> 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 Maybe not the, the sticky snowpack of the coastal mountains. No, we don't have that Haines snowpack. Not at all. No, it's fluffy and blowing. I was driving to work yesterday. Was it yesterday morning? Day before. Day before. And man, I could not see the truck in front of me. And it was like, oh yeah, you know, four car lengths ahead and I couldn't see. And it was like, it's not my truck. I'm driving my boss's like expensive welding truck. And I'm like, just hold your breath. Every time a car comes by, I'm like gripping the steering wheel. <laughs> I'm like, fuck, don't hit me. Yeah. Yeah, that highway is terrifying. I drove up to Alaska back in like 2017 or something like that. Um, had a free red world tour event up there and i was i quit my job so it was free for the whole winter and living in a camper so 
drove up there to like just hang out, snowmobile, snowboard, and do the contest for yeah. like a month. Yeah. But man, driving up there, it was yeah, that super dry snow, and yeah. on that highway, like any truck in front of you would cause just like a whiteout for yeah. I don't know, like a half yeah. kilometer behind it, and yeah. then a plow would come by, oh, and you're you done. would you're total whiteout. Done. And you can't like you can't slow down because you know there's these semis coming behind, behind you. Like you yeah, and they can't see hour. your taillights till it's too late. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually in Dawson Creek, which is like where it just says, you know, the old Alaskan highway is like the big sign, right? So, yeah, I drove down that for about 20 minutes to get to work. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. And then it's like farmer's fields and mountains everywhere. And I'm like, man, I got to be sitting here welding under a building. Fuck. I want to go snowboarding. But it was, it's was it been cold, so it was okay. We'd stay warm with the torch under the building. So... Um, yeah. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Like, how did you progress into getting into the world, uh, free ride world tour? Like, what was that? Um, how did you, quali- yeah. how did you qualify to get that happen? Cause I remember watching you, uh, not last year, not, not, not the year, uh, not last year, but the year before, um, you know, it's so funny cause they said your name and I'm like, oh yeah, American and he's living out of Whistler. And my first thought is you bastard coming over here, stealing our snow. You go live on your own side. <laughs> Anyways, I'm just kidding. But yeah, that's kind of, I was like, man, what? Nah. And in my, in my head, I'm actually thinking like, good for you. Like that's where the snow, that's where the culture of snowboarding really is uh, in my mind has always been Whistler. So you're, that whole yeah. area is beautiful, but yeah. So yeah, tell us a little bit how that kind of came about to, um, to get on that tour um, with your struggles yeah. and you know how that really happened for you. Yeah, I was doing the uh, like Northwest Masters events for a while. They had that tour going on for a few years. Um, and then eventually I graduated and was looking for more stuff to do or places to go. And it was kind of like recession time, so there weren't that many jobs available. So I thought oh, I'll just go to graduate school and find another university that has six snowboarding nearby so went to ubc in vancouver nice and uh yeah you know i've been watching snowboard videos and seeing photos and magazines that come from whistler so it was sick to have a used to go up that direction try the mountains out even even Uh, vancouver just like the seymour and cypress like that's just yeah yeah i'd spend a fair bit of time at seymour it was super fun riding up there like the way the crazy terrain trannies and yeah. everything up there is I haven't, super fun to shred around at night too that was just gonna say i've never ridden i think it was cypress i've never been to it in the daytime i only rode it once at night this is back in the 90s uh got shipped up with Coosport sport to go do a quote-unquote uh, trade show and uh got to go for a day riding with the uh the resort because i you know we supplied them with waxes and all that stuff so that was lots of fun but yeah, that's, you know, the, the history of snowboarding in the 90s was heavily, you know, the crew, the groups, and the riders, like Devin Walker, mm-hmm. all these guys coming out of that area. Right. You know, yeah. JF as well, riding in Seymour and in, in Cyprus and Whistler. And it's just like, man, like, that's the, the culture began in, like, not began totally, <laughs> but a lot of it is stemmed out of there. It's so amazing to get to go and, mm-hmm. yeah, ride that area. I wish I, I'm looking forward to doing that a little bit more when I get some free time, experiencing that in the daytime, going with yeah. some locals. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. and the, all the, yeah, the proximity to the city is yeah, like yeah, a huge plus if you're if you're working there, or living yeah. there, or whatnot. Yeah, it's but like then also just like the the snowpack there is so interesting in that it just like sticks so well to everything. Yeah, you get like the craziest transitions. It'll snow a foot, but it doesn't like doesn't cover up features it just like 
sticks surrounds them yeah. in snow. Yeah. So this, it stays just as featured like because it's so, other places you have like some wind and light snow and it just gone. Like, covers things up and it's it flattens so warm. out. But, it's because it's so warm. Yeah. I think that moisture coming off the uh, water right there as well is mm-hmm. just makes it all together. So then, so you're, that's, so you're on your pursuit to doing that. You went to school and that, when, when did yeah. you make that transition to go into working, um, riding with Tahoe Lab? Is that kind of the same time? Uh, yeah. Well, so I, f- I finished school and was like, okay, I need to spend some time snowboarding because I'd been, you know, from high school to university to um, graduate school, like back to back to back. And I was like, yeah, I need to snowboard a bunch. So I took off, uh, took off two winters and it turned out to be kind of like the worst winters that BC had seen in like a oh. long time, like super warm and dry and whatnot. Yeah. And um, some other, yeah, some other board sponsors fell through and I was like, Hey, my friend Abe like, just started this company. I should hit him up and like, try to try some boards out yeah um so yeah just started riding on one of their twin boards and was pretty stoked on it like the the first thing i noticed was just like the edge hold is like was so much better than anything i'd ridden before like you could hold the car so easily um and then yeah just rode that board all season and it was yeah such a bad snow year in bc that i just was like Screw it! I'm just gonna go travel to all these different free ride contests over like down in the states and just like hit every stop because it's like not worth sticking around here at home delivering pizzas for like five bucks an hour or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like living off tips. Just kind of waddling around and waiting for the snowstorms that never seem to come. Um, and yeah, it turns out that was like a pretty sweet decision to end up quitting that job and. Fortunately, like just won every free ride contest that I entered that year. Nice. Um, did the uh, North Face Masters was going on again, and then these um, free ride World Tour qualifiers were going on as well. Uh, so yeah, I got the points to qualify for the tour the next year, and I hadn't really like put in the time to go to all the events years before that. So it's pretty thick that you know the year that I did decide to go all these events that I just pulled it off and got the points nice uh so yeah stoked for that um but then at the same time i'd been like not working that much for two years and kind of running low on funds and throwing out resumes i eventually like got a job i'd been looking for for a while doing um enzyme engineering for a company in california um so it was like these two things happen at the same time. I was like, oh shit, like can do a tour, but like that's gonna cost a lot of money to travel and whatnot. But right. I also have this job that I just landed. So took the job and told them like, hey, yeah, I'll, I'll take this job, but I need I need to be able to leave for like a month during the middle of the winter. <laughs> <laughs> and fortunately they're on board for it. They're like, Yeah, you can like you'll have some vacation time and we can let you do some unpaid leave to do that as well. So like, yeah, I think it, as it was like a, like a worldwide event, I think it was, I don't know, like good enough for them to, you know, make some allowances for that. Um, but yeah, so that was a, uh, yeah, big change going from just casually snowboarding and competing yeah. here and there to like being working full time winter down in the Bay area. 
which is like a three, four hour plus drive up to Tahoe where the snow is. So it was kind of like doing this crazy commute thing where I'd work all week and then run up to the ski hill and snowboard all weekend and try to go bell to bell every day that I could and then run back to work and then like hop on a plane, go to Europe and compete for four days and then hop on a plane <laughs> back to work. It's like pretty hectic schedule there for a while. You're living the uh, life, dude. That's the life right there. <laughs> yeah, but it was, it was fun. Just, yeah. just thrown right into it. Yeah. For sure. You know, there's no other way to do anything. You can't half-ass it because you're not going to do yep. it full floor, full, you know, full out. Mm-hmm. You got to go, as they say, balls deep and fucking give her. Um, yeah. And that's yeah. usually how things are thrown at you. They're getting, the world's going to, te- the universe is going to test you. Like, can you do both? You'll be successful. So how did you play? That was your first year. So when was that with um, the Freeride World Tour? That was uh, 2016, 2015, 16. Okay. I think. Yeah. So five, done that for five years now. But yeah, after that year, I was like, this is like too much. I can't really, yeah, can't focus on either one that well. I was fortunate, like working on a project that was not that demanding during the winter. So it was reasonable for me to be away for a while and kind of just, yeah, on vacation while snowboarding, which was, yeah, fun. But come next fall, I was like, hey, I got to quit and go snowboard. <laughs> Okay, so I have a question. I'm gonna break in here, break up the uh, the Chad and John show for a second. He's just jealous. It's okay. <laughs> what uh, what was it like your first tour? What was it? What you expected it was? Was it scarier than shit? I mean, how what how did that mm-hmm. feel for you doing that first dropping in that first tour? Yeah, um, yeah, the whole thing was pretty overwhelming. Um, but then also really awesome at the same time showing up, uh, stayed at the suite hotel, like all the athletes and staff stay together there right. in Andorra. Um, and yeah, just like show up on the bus, like while dinner is serving at an athlete meeting is just like super nice. This hotel Como in Andorra, um, awesome, like buffet dinner. And you just like show up and it's just, like totally just like immersed in kind of the European culture there. Um, but then, yeah, as far as the actual contest goes, it's like, there's a whole lot going on. You got to like plan out your line and show up to the mountain, like super early. Like, yeah, I mean, you guys are the dark starts podcast, like every contest pretty much for the world tour, you are getting up at like five o'clock to go get on a bus or get on a chairlift while it's still dark, get up onto the mountain. And hopefully you've been able to like get a good view of the venue the day before or maybe a few days before. Um, but yeah, sometimes they're like, Hey, we got to run this event early because we got a weather window right at the start of the, um, started the competition time. And it looks like shit after that. So either got to like, just look at some photos that somebody else took and try to figure out what you're going to do for your line or, um, yeah, show up super early to the mountain and just be staring at it as it finally gets illuminated by light. And hope so, you can pick something out good enough in time to. So what's your uh, what's your visual aspect though when you're staring at it? Like, okay, so 
obviously photos. Um, but when you're, mm. if you're physically, if you physically have the chance to watch the sun come up and illuminate it, what, what aspect are you viewing it from? So like, how are you picking your line that way? Yeah. So usually you try to find like an opposing hillside. Right. So you can get a good perspective of it. If you're looking at something from right below, you can't really tell that well what's going on. Like some of the flatter sections are going to be totally out of view. So you can't tell like what, what slope you can link to what other slope. Um, but if you're up higher, you can kind of like see all that a bit better. Um, and oftentimes you'll try to like look at multiple different viewpoints. Um, a lot of these venues are pretty big. You might have like, I don't know, like 300, 400 meter descent and they're like pretty wide too. So just looking at it from the bottom, you're not really going to be able to even see like the lines that you want to potentially ride. Um, and then you've got to take into consideration like what a feature looks like from the judge's point of view or from like spectator's point of view. Sometimes you'll have some feature that you're like super stoked on. You're like, oh, this is like, this is so gnarly. It's going to score so well. And then you watch like the replay and you're like, oh shit. <laughs> like that looks tiny from the judge's point of view or like you can't even see half of the air or like yeah. it look, like looks like a good landing when in fact it's like super flat and it was like super hard to land. So it's been like kind what... of like realizing that over the last few years that like there's so much more to it than just like the line, but like how it looks and how it flows together from a different perspective. It's a lot like how Erica, Erica was talking about how, you know, you, you think you just did a gnarly, super ass gnarly run and you look at the video later and you're like, mm -hmm. oh, look like <laughs> right, right. Yeah, what was, do I look lost there? Or yeah. <laughs> what's going on? And, you know, that like talking to her really gave me a lot of perspective. So I'm stoked to watch it again whenever it's happening. They say it's happening this year, but um, we'll mm -hmm. talk about that after. But yeah, that gave me a lot of, shed a lot of light on me for like how you guys, like the pressure you're in and how it all sets up. It's not like a normal event where you're watching a free ride, like a X game where guys have hit that same run for three mm -hmm. days yeah. and they've hit it five to 15 times that day before they even took their first run. You guys are like sight seen, but not like feet in the mm -hmm. snow. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you, you don't even get to take like a warm up run in the morning. You're yeah. just like, you're, they'll be like, yeah, King horse one year. They're like, yep. You guys are dropping at eight o'clock in the morning. And it's like February 5th <laughs> or something. Like, when does the sun come up? To this time of year? 945. Yeah. Fortunately it comes up at like, just, you know, at, at least as long as you're up on the top of a mountain, it comes up a little bit earlier. So you are potentially in the sunlight. Um, but yeah, that's like, in that situation, it's like you hike up, you traverse for like a few hundred feet, and then you're at the top of your run and yeah. you're dropping in. And like, in that case, for picking horse, at least we were able to see the slope and figure it out beforehand a lot. So you didn't really need to even look at the slope the morning of. Um, kind of already knew what was going down. Yeah. But uh, yeah, not taking a warm up run, and on top of that, you're dropping in with like pretty heavy pack. Like yeah, like Erica's saying, you got your airbag pack mandatory plus back protector. Yeah. Sometimes you got a harness. You got your bib. You got your GoPro. You've got like some snacks, hopefully, some yeah. water and whatnot. You've got like probably an extra layer because it's 
super early in the morning that you're starting at. So it's frigid cold in the morning. But then by the time you actually drop into your run, maybe you don't even need that two extra layers or whatnot. So there's, yeah, there's just a whole lot going on. That's a lot of stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. And then the start gate is like kind of intense too, because they're on this live schedule. So they're trying to like run everyone like quickly and right on time. So, you know, they're doing the countdown, dropping in three, two, one, and you're off. So it's not like you can kind of, you know, figure out when you're feeling right and drop in. It's like go time when they say it is. It doesn't (laughs) doesn't seem like it's like when you watch the hockey games and they like have these, you know, commercial breaks and you all kind of hang out and they'll show you. You guys are like, go, 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 because it's live feed. And, uh, and they got timeline and there's yeah. a lot of riders to go through like not just snowboarders but there's you know skiers male female and then you know snowboarders and male female snowboarder skiers yeah it's, it's a lot sure. it's a lot yeah and it it goes pretty quick and it goes pretty smoothly as long as everything's right but if there's a bunch of fog that comes in or like snowstorm then all of a sudden it's halted and jeopardizes like the whole thing because they've got to run you know like 40, 50 people. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes you'll be in the start gate and fog will roll in and they'll be like, all right, hold off for five minutes. <laughs> and then they're like, okay, starting in 30 seconds. <laughs> like, <laughs> like now. <laughs> yeah. So, and that, that definitely like, that'll throw you off, like, no yeah. matter who you are. And yeah, for sure. You are. So, did you also do the same thing as Erica where you brought yourself, you brought your snowboard, your splitboard um, set up to go and check the stuff out the day before and check your, you know, the aspect and yeah. climb up. Yeah, and... for some, yeah, it's like, it's listed as like a required piece of equipment in the, uh, like the gear list so that you can, yeah, in some cases, split board up to look at the venue. And it's also like a, a backup in case you need to have a venue that you can't hilly to or that you can't hike to. Um, we were looking at one oh, wow. crazy venue in France one time that was like, it was like in hindsight totally outrageous, but it was like a half day tour to get to the top of this thing. But it was like Shit. the only slope that wasn't destroyed in terms of snow quality. Right. Um, but that ended up not happening after a bit of a fiasco of an inspection day where I think only like two or three out of like the thirty of us actually like made it to the point where you could see the venue. And that's when they realized that it was just not gonna happen. A little <laughs> too there. A little too extreme. <laughs> yeah i mean the the guys that um that help run the events are like total badasses and they'll be up at like three o'clock in the morning like hiking halfway up the venue checking on the snow quality and whatnot they're like a whole nother yeah level of like european alpinist yeah i'm looking forward to talking to guys like that actually um i don't think we're personally ready yet i'm gonna be getting my touring up to par a little bit better in my ast1 and you know, we've been told by Dave Downing, just do it. Just talk to them now. And I'm like, ah, I feel like I just want to like <laughs> wait a little bit because I'm just super intimidated. Even talking to Vo- Joey Vosberg as quickly as we did, <clears throat> I think there's a lot of questions that we could have asked that, or we will ask them the next time we talk to them a little bit different time. But yeah, those kind of guys, it's uh, it's next level, man. They see snow and it's like it's like talking to Buffery. It's like Snow Yoda because the guy just like he sees things, patterns of the past and what's going on with the mm-hmm. snow and yeah it's uh it's a mastery as they call it i guess yeah yeah absolutely especially when it's like you've got some sort of 
thing you're trying to pull off. Like you're trying to ride some crazy slope or trying to get some, to some difficult pass or whatnot. And they're like, they know how to do it yeah. as safely as possible. Yeah. And it's like for us, you know, non-professional guides, it's like, yeah, I'm not even going to really think about that one today, given the snowpack. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, you can... more mellow, but like, for no, them, no, no, it's no. like, just do it, just do it. You can do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I, you know, the free ride world tour has always been something I've always liked to watch. It's been, uh, I guess to me, it's like the first real venue online. Now, of course, with the natural selection, it's been great to see that kind of, again, mm-hmm. it's not yeah, the it's same like, because you guys are hitting it. Nothing is prepared. Nothing is set up ahead of time. Um, but the rad thing with Travis is doing by bringing in, you know, building stuff in the summertime mm-hmm. and then letting the yeah. snow fall and to have that foresight and the, the the view of the snow of the of the, of the snow. To imagine what the snow is going to look like when he put these features in and see how things kind of come out. And of course, he's done this before. He built that other one at um, the first one back in uh, um, yeah, twelve, twenty twelve. Yeah, there's yeah, in the original Cody Bowl one that wasn't really built up either. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, and the the format of the natural selection is fantastic. Like being able to do multiple runs and how those guys are able to kind yeah. of like walk around the course a little bit and yeah. see all the drone footage and yeah. like really set themselves up for like yeah. riding well is, yeah. is awesome. Like for the FWT, oftentimes, you know, we're just kind of like guessing it yeah. whether a feature is even hittable or not. Yeah. Like you can go off of seeing previous runs sometimes, but the snow always sets up a bit different and you never really know, like you're rolling up to a feature midway through your run and you're like, I hope this works. I hope I can make it to that landing. Hope I can clear but, these rocks. And but yeah. Haiti, it it says something because you even had people like Hannah Beeman and or Hannah Beeman and uh, um, Austin Sweeten, uh, you know, being in the test event last year and and even helping yeah. on the ground during the summer build a lot of those features. And then some of the challenges mm-hmm. they faced on their first runs this season too. Yeah, for going sure. Through that. Yeah. Yeah. Overshooting it by yeah. a massive amount. Right. W- would a drone help you? You know, what if you just go get yourself a little DJI drone and just fucking rock that yeah. out and you guys are sitting and throw that sucker <laughs> well, up and, you know, record yeah, it? Yeah, no, actually, uh, it's still 2D. At though. one event for the FWT, like in Andorra, maybe, like four, three years ago now, yeah. I just like I had one with me and flew it around the course and then just shared the footage with everyone. Yeah. And yeah, people were stoked for the most part to be able to see that. And the level of that event was like super high. There was so much freestyle that went down and it was great. But the way the FWT runs is more of like a European sort of like alpinist way i want to say yeah um where you can't have too much information about the slope it's more of like a purist like you look at it from below and then you go up and you ride it and it's not necessarily like to get the the best run possible but to like do it in the like most like i don't know natural way so did they did they take umbrage with that then that you guys were doing that that you had shot that drone footage um so I think the organizers were pretty stoked about it at first, oh. but then maybe there was some internal pushback. I'm not sure. Yeah. But then they eventually put it in a rule that said no drone flying over oh. venues. <laughs> but well, they did they did uh, fly their own a few times and provide photos. <laughs> but I guess the 
the justification for that rule was that they didn't want certain lines to be focused on more than others. Right. Um, so but I mean, other people would say like, Hey, like the drone line is sick, but I've got an even sicker line that the drone didn't go over and nobody knows about it. So mm. it'll be all so much more special. But how, know. but how, okay. So it, it does take away the element of surprise to a degree, but it, like the first couple of guys that go over it, are they going to relay that information to everybody down the road anyways? Or? Well, I mean, you can a little bit, but there's only so much you want to like, change your mind about your run day of, you know, if you're like right. if you're dropping four people after that guy and you hear right before you go your run, they're like, his run was super thick. And you're like, well, I actually don't even really remember how to get to that spot where that guy flew off the cliff. Like I might find a track, but I don't, I don't know if that's the right one. Yeah, I'm right. going the right exactly. speed to make it to that landing. So, I mean, there's a lot of homework you got to do beforehand. Sometimes you'll try to, you know, memorize like two or three lines in case your favorite one doesn't go through, you've got a backup. So, um, so man. to that, to that, what I'd like man. to ask some, something that's interesting to me is first of all, I'm going to make this a two parter. First of all, what's your favorite venue? I was going to ask okay. that. Fucker stole my question. So what's your favorite <laughs> venue? Secondly, do you, do you look forward to getting back to that venue because there's lines that you like to hit or do they change it up enough? I, I'm not even Can I answer the question? Um, can I answer the question for you? It's, of course, <laughs> it's, it's kicking horse because you fucking won there last year. <laughs> uh, I actually don't really like that venue that much. <laughs> I know. It's, it's all good. Too, too rocky for me. Yeah. Uh, you're just avoiding sharks. Like, there is. Um, like Drew Tabke did the same air that I did towards the top and he landed on a rock and lost a ski and lost a score. So like that totally could have happened to me. And right. it's just like the nature of those kind of runs that are a little bit more wind affected, but that kind of, that aspect of kicking horse is a lot more sharky than some of the other. Yeah, aspects. you're right. You're absolutely right. I'm thinking. Um, but <laughs> I'd say my favorite favorite is actually the Haynes venue that we had years ago. Um, for the fact that it's Alaska and this, the way the snow shapes there is just phenomenal and just so fun to ride. Um, but I don't, I don't think the tour will be going back there again. Why is that? Uh, that just the, the cost of running oh. the event there was absurd. Like we had, I think two false starts, which means you're like helling everybody up. It's like, I don't oh. know, 10 heli loads. All the gear has to be hellied up there like days in advance. There are people that had to like camp out up at the oh, start shit. or the, at the uh, production tent because they're like they're running all this um, technology for the live show. It's like a you know they have multiple generators. There's like a satellite dish sending signals to space and I don't know, like five ten people that are in there like controlling all the switchboards and everything. So Jeez. it's like a, a major production to put out that like high quality of live product. Um, I mean, you can see it in like in the live show, it's like crystal clear, super impressive, like how high the production value is of that. I mean, even compared to like natural selection, like granted they're using like these racing drones, yeah. but like there's a pretty big separation in like video quality I found between natural selection and FWP. I, I actually... I was surprised by that because I know they were hyped on having the racing drones and it was a pretty awesome point of view t 
to mm-hmm. to yeah, see no, for the rider. Fantastic point of view. <laughs> to, to, yeah, it was it, it was good and it was bad. There were the negative to it was like when yeah. those guys hit a slash and there was a big cloud, then you lost them mm-hmm. and you didn't for get sure. to see what they were doing. So, yeah. so maybe I mean, having a drone. No, it's just so dry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a, but that's a learning curve. I think that'll yeah. be a learning curve for them as well. As well I agree. Forward. I agree. Visibility yeah. was a little rough at the beginning of the day for sure. And, um, I mean, when Gigi dropped in on his first run, I mean, oh, the, shit. He the air was frozen, right? Yeah. I mean, it was it was hard to mm-hmm. see and what was going on. I, and I have no idea. Were the temps really brutal there? Because it looked like everybody was dressed super warm and they were dealing with it. Um, I was looking at the, the temperatures. It looked like pretty chilly. Like yeah. Around zero Fahrenheit. Or yeah. Maybe thir- a little minus bit higher, 13. But, but they thought yeah. I saw on the screen. Okay. Watching. Which is um, not that cold. But yeah, I mean, I think that complicates the... <laughs> Any live broadcast though is when you've got temps that low and well, it's, I don't know batteries that are dying quickly and yeah my that. my daughter competed in Canada Winter Games back in I think 2018 and um, it was so cold the venue was in uh, Red Deer Alberta and it was so cold it was minus 30 or colder um, the day of the event and it was supposed to be live streamed but uh, the cameras weren't able to operate because it was too cold. Mm. They had, to yeah. shut, they had to shut down the live stream. So I didn't get to watch her from home, which was kind of crappy. But uh, but yeah, I was wondering about that during the uh, natural selection with those drones because they had those drones fired up and running before riders mm-hmm. dropping. And then you right. only get so much time with those drones, right? Especially those high-speed ones, I'm sure. Uh, those racing drones. Yeah, for sure. I mean, well, you get to just have a bunch of batteries swap exactly. out super fast. But oh, yeah, huge, I mean, it's, it was super band. impressive it's to see. Sitting in to a, see what they could do with any, that, though. Sitting Any in a way heat, you look at it. A heated bag from mopros.com. Oh, I bet they put them in a. Uh, I bet they put them in a Yeti cooler <laughs> oh, to keep got them like warm. Tent. <laughs> <laughs> got a tent, yeah. No. Awesome. So yeah, so your favorite Alaska? What? I, I'm, man, I want to go to Japan so bad. Like, how many times have you been to Japan? Was it only with the Freeway World Tour? Have you been? Uh, yeah, yeah, just the last three winters. Yeah, it's stick there. And last year was rough, wasn't it? Kinda, yeah, um, it was a bit. There were like so many fewer people there, though, that it was it was rough. But like nothing was really getting tracked out. Oh, okay. And no one was really around, so that was kind of cool for that part. But yeah, the snowpack was pretty low. Like a lot of the stuff in Japan is pretty bushy. Yeah. And you need a certain amount of snow to cover up all those bushes. Yeah, a lot of willow. So a lot of spots that like we had been able to ride previous years you like couldn't even go through or like you'd just be like pushing bushes out of the way your whole run um but i mean still just like going there for the culture and for the few like really good days that we did get was pretty fantastic but yeah the first year first year that i was there was like phenomenal and just like resetting every day or every other day that's the way crazy. the snow there is the snow there is really interesting. It's not like any other snow I've ridden before. It's kind of like it's almost like styrofoamy. Oh, but it's super dry at the same time. So like it'll it can like kind of pack well, and when the sun comes out, it like melts super fast and crusts over super fast. But like before that happens, it stays in this weird kind of like super fluffy but coastal sort of state. Uh, it rides super well. That's interesting. Sounds like sounds like moon sand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's something like quite a bit different than other places I've ridden, and it it's interesting too there because it's all like pretty low elevation. Yeah. So it's kind of kind of like similar elevations that we have here, and like 
Southwest BC or like you guys up there even. Um, but the latitude is super low. They're the same latitude as like San Francisco or something like that. Oh, wow. But most okay, of their, yeah. their weather comes from like Siberia. It's all these like northern or like northwestern winds that come down and like suck up a bunch of moisture off the Sea of Japan and then just run straight into the Alps of Japan and just like drop tons of snow. So all it takes is like some northwest wind and just dumps there. But uh, yeah, so, once the sun comes out, it'll like anything that gets sun on it, it'll start to melt right away. So it's kind of like super sick to ride when it's snowing. But those sunny days up there is very fleeting, and the snow disappears quick when it comes out. That's wild. So. Right now, you're currently working on what, what's your project you're working on with your snow? You got a snowpack sort of style website going on. Uh, yeah, yeah, livepow.com. Um, yeah, it's essentially just combines a lot of the different things that you would look for when you're trying to like check the snow conditions, check the weather report, check the avalanche forecast. Um, yeah, I focused it mostly for like some places in Canada, but yeah, essentially it puts all those together on one page, so you can just like hop on there, you can look at remote weather stations really quickly and see like where it's snowed, where it's warm and all that stuff. So yeah, mostly just, you know, resource for backcountry riding to check on snow quality. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm looking at it right now and uh, mm. yeah, I'm seeing some webcam shots from uh, different places. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So it takes... Uh, takes a copy of a webcam like once every hour so you can kind of like look through the past day and see like see what it looks like see if yeah it looks like it's snowing a lot or see if the crowds are huge or if the lift lines are manageable that sort of thing too wow that's fantastic and then yeah i mean it's all it's all like resources that you can find elsewhere that are like publicly available right but you just, but just combine like combines you, them yeah into like one resource so you can easily just check them all quickly and you know it's got the the avi forecast regurgitated on there too so you can just you know quickly look at that daily even if you're not going in the backcountry just to kind of keep tabs on what's going on watch as it changes and uh yeah i'm looking at a list so it's and it's not just BC. I see you got California, Colorado, Utah, mm -hmm. Washington. Yeah, I haven't and... really worked too much on some of the other resorts, and depends on like if their um, data is like easily accessible or not of what'll actually be available. Um, but yeah, yeah, some other resources and yeah, one other focus is to show like the remote weather station data which you can get through like NOAA or through Environment Canada, but it's kind of complex and usually the format's not that that easily readable, at least for like a what should I ride tomorrow sort of standpoint. Right. Um, but yeah, just trying to kind of show that in a more quick format so you can just take a glance at it and be like, oh, hey, like at this backcountry spot, it snowed 20 centimeters at this other one. It didn't snow at all and it was super warm or something like that. So you can quickly make that decision. Love that. Whoa. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Sorry, hit it hit a button yeah. there. <laughs> better mark. Yeah, it's, 
Yeah, and some of that it's it's not like the most user friendly site for sure. There's you kind of gotta like look into it a while to figure out like which axes on the graphs mean what and whatnot. But uh, yeah, once you kind of get the feel for it, it can definitely save you a ton of time when you're trying to figure out your day to day plans for riding. That's awesome that you're doing that though. We're gonna have to work a little bit closer with you to kind of help that education get out there, to everybody as well. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think like one big thing is just combining that avalanche forecast with the weather forecast that, you know, they're both important pieces of information, whether or not you're going in the backcountry. I mean, there's still like an extreme hazard day in bounds. It's good to know that there's some serious issues in the snowpack because even though patrols out there doing the best they can to keep you safe, just still sketchy things that can happen. Yeah. That's the funny thing. Someone the other day, was telling me, oh, why don't you go to Powder King by yourself? And I'm like, um, where I go, fuck no, because you ain't going to find me uh-huh. and I'll be dead. And I'll be like, where's Chad four days later? Like, battery on his beacon's done, but he's a popsicle. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, that's not happening. I definitely, again, it's like you said, you know, you need to know the snow. And I don't, I don't actually spend it. I, I guess I use that resort like more of a, oh, yeah, it's just a resort, whatever. But I think I need, mm-hmm. to, I need to spend a little more time looking at the snow reports and. Yeah, yeah, I'm starting to think more and more. Like even if I'm like on some open slope at a ski area. Yeah. And I'm not riding with a friend. Yeah. Like, is that it, like it's probably safe, but there's that you know one in a thousand chance or one in a million chance that something could slide and take you out. Yeah. I've definitely triggered some small slides in bounds before, and like usually it happens in a way that you can kind of predict or some terrain feature that you expect will slide but yeah you know it could take you out well, that's when you're what, not expecting that happened, that happened to me with well the slide never happened but i think i may have said this on the podcast before i was we were in um i don't know where again which uh where which resort i was at in banff area with a bunch of buddies and we were all i think it was four of us three of us from ontario out there and you know first time riding in pow and we're with a local guy and we just walked down some cat track that was, you know, snowed in. I'm like, dude, let's just fucking throw ourselves off here into the fucking snow. And we're just like throwing ourselves off. And all of a sudden, I guess someone spotted us from a distance. And one of the, one of the, uh, you know, patrol guys came along and goes, Hey guys, uh, what are you doing here? We're like having fun. And like, well, where are you from? We're like Ontario. He's like, okay, um, you guys shouldn't be here because you could start a slide down here that could affect the top. And you could be swallowed pretty easily. And we're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, were I have you, no idea. Were you guys ducking ropes? or? Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. We ducked rope for quite a while. It, and it was, you know, it wasn't even up the mountain. It was like kind of down low. But of course, you know, the, the, the whole terrain up there is up high regardless. So you're still up above. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, we, we shouldn't have been there. It was kind of low. Yeah, there's. There's a ton of like little features that can catch you off guard for sure. Yeah. I've I triggered one slide at Whistler, um, just like right above Cat Track earlier this season. And granted it was only like, I don't know, thirty meters wide by like ten meters long, but like if you're in the wrong spot and didn't expect that coming, it could totally bury you. Yeah. Well we were And un- then earlier in the season I actually like came across some guy that was just like digging in the side of a cat track and me and my friend were like riding by like looking at him like what's this guy like digging out like some snow gun or something and like as we rode by we saw there was like a person that he was, had like 
just uncovered or something and then looked like looked above the slope and saw that there was a crown and that this like 20 centimeter deep slab had just like slid off this little knoll and just covered up someone that was unfortunately like they had someone with them and dug out right away but like it you know that could could have gone worse i think we posted that on our instagram story actually the guy was i think because the same kind of idea happened the guy was riding in whistler and they were riding kind of off in the trees and then they the one guy did the he jumped out of the trees onto the cat track and his buddy was kind of hesitant and then he came in after and when he jumped when he ollied over the little cornice where it was there it uh swallowed him up when he landed and he got buried Mm. yeah that could scarily be the same person Unless it's a different story, but it sounds a lot. This like sounds like a different. Sounds okay. like a different spot. This was okay. like in like the the flats and just like one tiny little. Oh, okay. Roller that, that that's good. But yeah, I mean, like. But that, that can happen. Can happen in, in, anywhere. Yeah, yeah. In bounds, whatever. You need to be aware of what's going on. He, his buddy, just happened to look back and spotted him. He's like, "Holy shit, you're buried!" And he just unstrapped and he ran up and started like digging him out because he was buried. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that'll happen pretty quickly. Crazy. Since you opened this door, John. Have you yeah. ever experienced? Have you have you been involved in uh, a close call with with some bad snowpack or? Uh... Uh, yeah, yeah. There's um one uh, day like I think three years ago or something. It was like super windy day, and we were up um, just like sled lapping some stuff in the backcountry. Uh, I was riding with like a skier friend of mine, and we were like riding one zone that was pretty good. And then we stepped like a bit further over the ridge into kind of like a bit more wind exposed spot. And we we're riding down the slope and it was like super firm wind pack, like not, not that enjoyable of riding at all. Um, but then further down, my friend being who was ahead of me, he like kind of crashed in this crust. Like he broke through a little bit and kind of like got his ski stuck. And I had like just pulled off to like a safe zone to kind of like just watch and be out of the way um but he was kind of like stuck a little bit with the way his ski was just like and like just impacting into this crust so i kind of like scooched out and helped him free his ski and like right as he stood up we both like felt a sunk and dropped like i don't know like a foot deeper as like whatever unsupported layer we were standing on collapsed but we didn't slide at all because we were on like a super flat angle but like a few hundred meters above us where we had like already ridden down before started just like crumbling away and sliding down towards us. So we're like, Oh shit. And like, fortunately we could just scooch back off to the side and out of the way of this thing. And it was just, you know, like a size one and a half to um, slide, but it sure as hell just like came right through where we were standing there a minute ago and not that fast and not that like, aggressive but definitely could have taken you out and like pushed you against a tree or like even buried you if you were in the wrong spot so that was like a you know an eye-opener to stay on protocol you know and like make sure there's only one of you on that sketchy slope at a time even if like your buddy's kind of struggling a little bit like best to just wait as long as it's not some like you know life-threatening issue you need to jump in there right away right keep eyes on in case something happens yeah wow mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know it can be just like a minute where you break protocol and put 
two people in a slide path at once that, you know, that's all it takes. Absolutely. If, like, and it was just the two of you. Yeah. Yeah. We had friends that were just like on a different run at the same time, but yeah, it was just us two right there. So when you go uh, in a situation like that, where you have a group and you're going back country together, what do you guys decide? Do you, does your group decide on a communication protocol? Like, this is what we're going to use. Is it all whistles or we're just going radios or how do you guys pack that way? Um, yeah, lately bring in radios a lot more. Um, just really good to have that immediate communication regardless of like what's going on, you know, for even just like planning things out throughout the day is super helpful. Um, but yeah, usually, you know, try to say like, Hey, we're going to do this run. We'll, we'll see you guys at the bottom sort of thing. If you're not having a radio. And, you know, as long as you have the buddy system and you're, you are following the right protocol, then you should be fine and be able to handle situations as they come. But Cool. Now yeah. you, you alluded before to, uh, to sled lapping. So do you, is that something that uh, you're doing a lot of where you are? I know it's really popular uh, yeah, in that bit. region. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's, there's quite a few runs you can like double up on your snowmobile and snowboard down. So yeah, do a fair bit of that. Uh, can do a lot of laps really quick but you're kind of limited to what you can easily sled up with two people yeah oh yeah mm-hmm. nice so this is the question i've got now i just finished watching you kill it at the uh i know we're gonna go back to the free world tour but i just had to watch the event I, i've been holding it off while we're talking and you know it is very sharky. That run you did was extremely, there was a lot of features sticking up. There's a lot of exposed rocks. You <laughs> yeah, know, that now that I'm looking, hard. yeah, now that I've looked at it, I'm like, dude, and, and you know, you did a, you did fantastic. You did a three, you did a little 180, little half cab coming into that one little lip you did and beautiful mm. run. It definitely deserved to win. Um, but yeah, I can see where you could, you know, you could definitely, go a little more balls out but it's like that features those little rocks am i gonna land am i gonna make that distance yeah. so yeah i see oh yeah i mean when you look at it as a spectator you're like yeah. oh yeah that's fun that looks fun that's fun but then when you yeah. look at it like you're gonna actually have to ride down it yeah and you want to carry speed and you want to take yeah. air then those rocks become like a lot more and yeah and you, you took that that skiers right or that uh, lookers lookers right and i was like and i kept thinking that whole day i'm like why are we going there and I'm, i see why you're going there. there's more features but it's also it's a higher uh it's a lot, the terrain is more exposed, but there's definitely more features in there to play with. But yeah, I can see. So, you know, I, I've loved this. The two, the last two guests, you and, and Erica have really helped me and I'm hopefully the audience to see, like get an even better perspective and, you know, more, mm, yeah. more respect for you guys and a lot more like, holy <laughs> shit, like, you know, this is not your normal thing. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd love for every venue to be super good snow and yeah, awesome how life is, and be really familiar with every hit that you're going to do. But yeah, the reality of it is that oftentimes it's like you're going in there with a lot of second guesses in your yeah. head, and but that's to make the best of it. And that's kind of how, you know, this is how this podcast is like, you know, yeah, a lot of guys go in areas that they've been a lot of times yeah. they tour up and, and, but there's areas where you're going in for the first, maybe second time. And, uh, Kayla, the last ep- couple episodes ago, he talked about how he's been looking at a feature for quite a long time. And, he gets to the mm-hmm. top and he had his plan A and his plan B and, you know, his buddy who was a skier took the plan A and he opted out because it was like shit didn't feel right. Um, yeah. 
And that's yeah, a lot of it is you know it's the same thing whether you're yeah doing a tour in the backcountry or whether you're dropping into a competition run, like you may only get one run that day, and yeah. you got a lot of time to think about it. Hopefully, right. but you don't get to you don't get to stand on that slope all the time. You yeah. know, sometimes your ascent is up the backside of a mountain, and you drop it in on a face that maybe you only got to view from you know the the peak across the valley. Yeah, so it's I like it. trying to. You know, it's like a skill that you've got to work on, like mm-hmm. figuring out your line and well, predicting what the snow is going to be like and then like rearranging that terrain in your head yeah. to see what it's going to look like when you're coming down. Because there's like, you know, you got you to gotta find some landmarks as you go down, some like certain shape of tree or like a rock feature or something so you know where you are. Because yeah. once you drop in, you're in and you're moving. Like you can put yourself into a really bad position if you get lost. You can end up over some exposure, some terrain trap. But if you've got a good idea or you maybe like took some photos from below and you can pinpoint yourself right where you want to be, then you're going to have like a way better run and ideally be able to do it safely. Yeah. That's the mind-blowing thing to me about the, the, the world tour and the prep that you guys get. I mean, as riders that... It, you know, you have that opportunity to to skin up and and take a good look at stuff, but it's a totally different aspect than when you're riding down, right? And, and keeping oh, yeah. keeping a mindset of what terrain and what landmarks you're going to use to what you're going to throw off. I think it's amazing what you guys are doing. What mm-hmm. kind of what kind of slope are you looking at on most of these runs? I mean, what? Uh, oh, like slope angle? Yeah. Uh. Uh, degrees lies like I don't know, thirty-five to fifty. Wow. Sometimes, like yeah. the the Bec de Ross is like extremely steep. You stand on top of that thing and you get like vertigo, just like <laughs> standing there. Starting Not from that little triangular time. hut, right on top. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the staircases are like you know on these knife edge looking ridges. Yeah. Where you're, like, Jeez, you're I know. Kind of scared more walking around on the yeah. ridge than you are taking your run. <laughs> I noticed that so too. That doesn't really sure. help with your nerves, especially like, you know, you might be up there for like an hour, hour and a half, just like hanging out, watching other people go, maybe watching other people crash like over and over again. Yeah, some which days. fucks with your head. Yeah. Totally. There's, there's no question, man. But you know, uh, that the more you guys explain it to me that or to us in this environment here, it really helps. Like it brings to the real world. Like it's not just this contest. Mm-hmm. Like when you go riding in an yeah. area, you don't know. And what view do you get? Great. You get to skin through yeah, it, sure. skin around it. You've watched it. You get to look at it from, a, you know, goggles, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of features, like you have to hit at speed, like, yeah. Granted, sometimes you can roll up to the edge of a cliff and then just plop right off and have a great landing. But like other times, you've got to take off before you can see where you're going to land, and you got to be like coming in with heat too. So yeah, like if you don't have that well scoped and you don't feel confident about where you're going, then like there's no way yeah. you can hit that. I see that in a lot of um, some of the whip. Uh, no, I shouldn't say that, but some of the riders that come in come at it a little sketched out and they'll uh, put on the brakes too hard and then they're that mm-hmm. runs, that runs hooped like they're just screwed yeah oh yeah for sure i mean sometimes you like just come up to a feature and like oh this like doesn't look right or like this doesn't look like i thought it would maybe you think you're in the wrong shoot or like the wrong cliff or yeah maybe there's like i don't know something doesn't look right yeah like, sometimes you know you'll see a feature that you want to hit and you run and you're like okay i'm gonna hit that 
but like if I'm coming into it and this tree is like in the way, I'm not going to be able to hit it. I have to go around it mm-hmm. or whatnot. So, you know, you got to kind of like make contingencies. So with, with the free ride world tour, was that your first time? Like when you first went to it, was that first time you got into involved in an in AST course or an avalanche awareness course? Was that the first time or would you had done one previous? To uh, no. Yeah. So I took a avalanche like course in, when I was in high school, I actually oh. did like a community college course. Nice. Which is really interesting because yeah. it was like a full course of avalanche material. So the instructor was able to go through like everything super thoroughly and cover, you know, like all the snow science and whatnot behind it. Um, but I didn't really follow, I don't know, the protocols that well. Like when I was in high school, I just like go with my friends and just go like boot pack up something and <laughs> drop in here and there. And like, fortunately, I think we just always went out on like low hazard days, but didn't follow protocol that well. Um, and yeah, fortunately didn't have any incidents, um, but definitely pushed it a little bit more than I would now for sure. Um, and then let's see, I took another course when I was in Utah just to kind of, I don't know, I think it's good, like, especially if you move to a different place to take an avalanche course there and get like insight from a guide who lives there and, you know, knows about like a lot of the slide paths in popular areas and knows the snowpack a lot better and, you know, like whatever local resources you have. That makes so a lot of that. sense too. And then did a AST2 like a year or two after moving out to BC. So that was like, yeah, I did some courses before doing any competition and then um, some after. But yeah, with the FWT, we do some like refreshers yeah. and whatnot as groups, but it's um, it's not really like that, that strict or that like um, thorough of refresher. So it's always good to do some practice with your friends and at least practice a beacon search, you know. Make sure you're familiar with what you're using. Yeah, I think that's really every important. Year, every few weeks, even. Yeah. Couldn't hurt. Well, getting that mindset into flow. So it, uh, it's automatic. It's, mm-hmm. an, it's an automatic yeah, reaction absolutely. to do things. Because I find that, you know, when your intelligence, when your emotions are high, your intelligence are low, and you don't, you panic. A lot of people don't take the yeah. couple breaths and, you know, 15 seconds oh, yeah, of breathing. You're, you're thinking that it's life and death. You're oh. definitely in a different mindset. Then yeah. when you're reading through the manual and oh, there's no question. Crystal clear. Yeah. So I was just watching a, a video on Instagram today. Yeah, today, these sledders are sitting on their sleds, and there's an avalanche, a fucking big avalanche coming at them. And like one guy decides to get on his sled and take off. Two of them are mm-hmm. sitting there filming it. And by the time yes. they they go to take off, by the time they take off, the sled, the fucking the avalanche swallows them whole. And then they show mm-hmm. the, they show them afterwards, like you know, kind of groggily, like you know, looking around. I'm like, you know, I don't feel sorry for you because you're stupid. Because that avalanche <laughs> is coming. Get the out, like get to high ground. Yeah. You got a, a a motorized vehicle that can take you, you know, zero to sixty in seconds, and you're sticking hanging around because you think you're invincible because you got a sled. Like I don't understand. That's, I had yeah, to it's that just out. like the deer in the headlights sort totally. of thing too. But Look like, how pretty this is. Like it's gonna fucking kill you. Like <laughs> it doesn't carry you in the way. I got it, man. I got it on video. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I'm supposed to feel sorry for you because you got buried afterwards? No, man. Like you're dumb. Like get out of there. Like those things eat people alive. You know. And I I yeah. just found out that was it. Uh, I was talking to um, 
Leo Sue of um, Weston the other day just emailed me and he was saying they were having some great snow, but they're having some casualties in that in, in the area where mm-hmm. he's in as well. And it's uh, yeah, there's a lot of suspect layers all over the place right now. And the weird, this, the weather's being weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All those winters, one of those winters, I guess. So let's. Uh, I gotta ask a question about splitboarding. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> this is a splitboarding podcast. Dive in. <laughs> ah, it's been well, great. Yeah, no, it has been great. I mean, uh, we're all knowledge. about the backcountry and free wild, free. Yeah, I mean, it all it all applies to splitboarding for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Mindset. When did you yeah, discover right. splitboarding? Um. <laughs> Just yeah. So get in I there, uh, <laughs> did. Uh, I definitely did some snowshoeing back in high school and some just boot packing. Yeah. A lot of that. It's pretty efficient if you don't have a split board. Um, but then I got a split board at like a ski swap in Salt Lake nice. at some point or Park City maybe it was. Um, one of those original like Burton custom split with the uh, like circular suction binding thing going on. And I wasn't really sold on that right away. Still rode kind of funky, and it iced up a bunch like every time I used it. And then it got stolen out of our entryway where I lived in Salt Lake. So that was oh, the no. end of my recording for a little while there. Went back to the snowshoes for a while. Um, and then some friends of mine and I were like wanting to go up to the top of Mount Baker and go ride that mountain. And I was like, yeah, my snowshoes have worked for the trips that we've done so far yeah. in the backcountry, but that one's that one's pretty long and like gradual. And I think I need to get a split board for that. So I got like one of those volley split decision boards. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, with like the old um, like plate mount binding system, and yeah, threw a pair of old bindings on that thing, and yeah, went up top of the mountain came back down and still rode kind of funky, but it was definitely like way faster than snowshoeing on the yeah, way up. No kidding. More efficient. So, yeah, to, yeah. Was... Have you, have you ever tried the, the cants, cant pucks, canted pucks, canted pucks? No, no, no I haven't. Neither have I, that's why I'm asking. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. that's it. <laughs> that's the, uh, it goes. I don't know. Um, I'm just curious. Maybe we'll talk to somebody. Yeah. Else. I ride with the, like I ride with a pretty wide stance. So I think that would definitely, should be helpful but i wonder yeah how i don't know how the binding would feel like kind of sideways i guess it'd be all right but i I actually used like that i've got this little like plastic mold thing that i've added to the bottom of my sparks to kind of give them a little little bit more heel contact so i'd have to kind of figure out a way to get that to work a bit better too you're engineering the engineering yeah yeah, definitely some modifications. I threw a improvement. It doesn't surprise me though by who my you are. Yeah. And then uh, swapped out the straps for the like now carbon buckles and a different cushier strap. So we. So should I custom. hook you up with Will so you can help him out and then get a percentage it, off? It'd be cool to talk with those guys. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think their their high back has not really changed that much in no. the years. And I think it could use. There you go. I don't know something a bit more flush and a bit stiffer. There you go. So, hey, that'd be cool. innovation only happens when you're not afraid to step out, and and, and ask that question and, and put forth mm-hmm. that that hey, what if? And that's yeah. how innovation. Does yeah, occur. yeah. It's, I guess it's tricky with sportboarding because 
the market's not that big that you can like justify all the machining. Wow, so they kind of have to that's what they got. But yeah, getting getting bigger for things sure. Things are growing fast, man. Like from when I started Oh, I bought my gear, you know, almost freaking eight years ago. You never used it forever. <laughs> well, I couldn't get out, yeah. man. I was busy working. Like you're working an oil patch, man. It's like wintertime. The roads are frozen. It's going mm-hmm. until the job's done. Yeah. And yeah. That's the next not, job the best, and... not the best schedule for a snowboarder. No, man. <laughs> no, no. And that's, I'm, yeah, I'm getting out of it, but yeah, it's okay. It's all good. But yeah, definitely. Hey man, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll give, I'll see what I can do to make uh Make a little uh, will will uh, connection happen for you. I'll try. I ain't gonna guarantee yeah, nothing right in there, but uh, hopefully he's listening. And he's like, okay, yeah, it's yeah, no, I'd, I'd be so <laughs> some improvements in that design for sure. Yeah, definitely like the simplicity of it is oh, fantastic, yeah. but yeah. like the rideability is, I think, still could use some improvements. I think sure. I think Darren, you know, alluded to the fact that their high back is like you know for the switch over back and forth from you know tour mode to to ride mm-hmm. mode that. Uh, the forward lean switch is so much easier to flip around than, you know, even the, uh, the hitchhikers we've got cause Burton's sticking true to their system. Right. Um, yeah, but that's definitely one thing. And it's funny. I just talked to somebody the, the other ribbon day. flip. Yeah. The other day they're like, yeah, I had a problem. Actually this lady who, uh, out of camo area, um, she writes, she sends us tons of, she tags us in a lot of her post and, uh, she's like, yeah, she showed, showed a video. She fell and she's like, Oh, I stayed in tour mode. And at first I didn't understand. And she, cause I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, you know, my high back. I'm like, oh, you left your, you know, your forward lean down. So she mm-hmm. couldn't get, when she leaned back, she just fell over. Right. So, cause she's in the hitchhiker system. Oh yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. You got a, you got a ski back seat. And yeah. She just ate shit and she was cool of posting that. And I was like, right on fucking right. So at least you're not afraid to say you screwed up and you know, we all learn, but cool. So what's some of the things that you, so you, you do as well, obviously, take a lot of um, video of your own self when you're out riding because that's something you bring a uh, GoPro with yourself. I know you got to do it on the world, Freeboard World Tour. They stick it to your forehead, but mm-hmm. yeah. do you take one on your own as well when you go riding? Or Yeah, yeah. It's a good way if you don't want to like put any effort into filming something to just throw something on your helmet and go. Yeah, cool. Teletubby style. Yeah. We're, we're going to... Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Ken, Ken Achenbach of Pro Standard is going to give you a grill mount that goes in your mouth two heat multiple tabs so you can have your gopro just in your you know chest pocket and stick it out great yeah you can still talk even though i got it in my mouth right now um mm-hmm. molds your teeth breathe. yeah molds your teeth I, I got mine all funkied out i got some teeth missing so you looks like <laughs> fucked up shit going on in mine <laughs> yeah but um yeah we're gonna get you one of those so the question of course i'm not sure if you've seen one well i kind of showed you at the beginning of the episode mm-hmm. or, over the recording here uh, do you want a black or a white one? Um, uh, yeah, I'll go with black. Okay, black. Now, only thing we ask is some footage uh, tagging, the, you know, at theprostandard.com. Anybody sure. who would like to yeah. get one right now, go to you know prostandard.com. Look for the uh, discount code of Dark Starts. Get free shipping, and that's kind of what's happening right now for all of our listeners. And um, yeah, so we'll hook you up, and we'll look forward to doing a little unboxing. Give us a video, and. Um, because yeah, the tabs, I know Darren's alluded to it a few times in the other episodes, that having something in your mouth uh, like to bite down on actually improves a lot of your stability as well when you're riding. It's been proven. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, and I imagine that lower angle eliminates the like small effect that you get sometimes with the, the head top. 
Mm-hmm. Well, we actually got a video footage we did as well ago on the on our Instagram live or um, stories. Jessica Gilbert had um, someone did a, a drone footage of her at the same time she had the grill mount in her mouth, and we did you know versus drill uh, drone versus grill mount. Mm-hmm. Man, the footage is like I know he's a sponsor or whatever, but honestly, like. <laughs> Being right there watching what's going on in the run versus like, you know, from way up top in the drone, this is so much yep. better. It's just, I'm uh-huh. looking, I'm looking for, uh, unfortunately for me, I, last time I went riding, I had, so fucking funny, I had my GoPro three or four in my pocket with ready for the head strap. I had the, my new uh-huh. GoPro on the grill mount in my chest pocket. The wet, the wind, the, uh, the, the, visibility was shit we kind of socked in so i was like ah it's not coming out so here i am all gopro to the the max and nothing came out nothing got recorded (laughs) yep happens i'm like shit but anyways yeah i had them but yeah it's i'm yeah we're super stoked to get one of those in your your hands so you can Uh give some footage and yeah yeah a lot of a lot of people that i've talked to that don't do like a lot of snowboarding are pretty stoked to see the pov footage they always you know have a better feel for what's going on being able to see that viewpoint. So it's been even in your run cool the, talking to people like yeah, even non snowboarders yeah. that are stoked to, you know, kind of ride along with you. Yeah. And and of of course your head's the best gimbal. So even having it at a lower angle again, you know, you can mess with it. There's a bunch of settings. You can adjust the uh the front to how you know what how do you want it to sit and you can mess with that. Yeah. Indexing the angle. Well I like that. That's yeah. a good word. That was good, Darren. Did you like that? That's good. It came in the clutch <laughs> for me. <laughs> I'm an I'm uneducated, so it happens. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we got you one of those. Um, anyways, yeah. So, what do you do when it comes like how often do you get a touring? Uh, I know you got yourself your tour, got a great Tahoe lab board. Um, um yeah, one? I don't know. I, I kind of think I split my time pretty equally between like touring and resort and yeah. competition and uh, sled access stuff. So nice. it's like. Like once a week touring, maybe. Nice. That's more so, than I'm getting. But yeah, out. always trying to get out touring more. But you're like sled lapping, you oftentimes just end up kind of riding the same stuff. Yeah. Or it's usually kind of tracked out yeah. sometimes, anyways. But then split boarding, you're really able to, you know, pick out exactly what you want to ride and put yourself right on top of it and, you know, ride it exactly how you yeah. want. And that's kind of good for you because that's kind of gets you in the mode of or your mindset ready for the free ride world tour because it's that's kind of the, the same kind of concept you're dealing with when you go on those tours as mm-hmm. well. I can definitely yeah. see the yeah, difference. Yeah, it's really nice the like touring up a slope, especially when you can see what you're yeah. gonna ride and you're just yeah. like staring at it yeah. for however long it takes you to go up it. Whereas right. like slid up and you're like kind of like looking over the slope a little bit and then trying to not drive off the track and then look at the slope and then jump, not drive off the track and then by the time you get to the top you're like. <laughs> Uh, I kind of forget where I was going to go. I'm just going to go cruise down the open slope here. And yeah. it's kind of like not a waste of a run, but just so much more valuable when you, you know, put a little bit more thought into it and more effort into it. So how much of the preparation on your game day that you're, ri- you're racing is involved in your, your uh, tuning? So how much, you know, do you do your own tuning? Oh, do you have, uh, like, do they do the tuning for you? Like what's some of the stuff that's... Uh... Yeah, I'll do my own for the most part. Um, if we're competing at our ski resort, usually there's like a like a tuning partner that'll like either give us a discount on a tune or uh, something free. But sometimes they kind of 
like screw with your board a bit like yeah they they might sharpen the edges like in a weird way or like add a bunch of texture to the base that's because they don't they don't don't ask you for me just like a just a hot wax yeah hot wax and like maybe a little edge sharpening if it's if it's sharp or hard ice or whatnot but uh do you yeah, do much? Do you know? What, do you do much detuning yourself when that kind of thing happens, or do you actually even sharpen your edges much? Uh, yeah, yeah, I work on my edges a little bit, um, but usually try to avoid riding ice, so exactly. don't really notice how bad it is until uh, it's too late. Uh, Pow pa- pa- <laughs> is so forgiving when it comes to. Like, <laughs> I love it. Usually try to avoid riding ice. Yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> oh, look, where you, look where you live. It's not dude. ideal. Yeah. yeah. Although, yeah, I mean, like riding the, you know, the groomer and carving is super fun that is but uh yeah so i try to you know i'll maintain them for sure but they're not as sharp as they should be i find it makes it easier to do some buttering when you got when you detune that sucker you take some you know like a a, mm-hmm. a, a gummy a gummy or a diamond stone and just kind of just give it a little scrape and just kind of pull that detune yeah. back so you can yeah just cut off the, the sharp little sharpness yeah 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 what are um so would you be interested in getting some wax is the question. So now when you go out oh, yeah. on tour, you've got, you know, three different temps, you got your warm, your universal and your cold, um, give it a whirl. So we're going to set you up with some wax. Sport is going to give you some wax, going to send you out a pack of mm-hmm. three bars. Um, again, <clears throat> a couple of pictures, a little video, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it goes a long way and it helps them as well. So yeah. Yeah, so, for sure. No, it's good. Like I think everyone should, wax more i'm always like hitting side hits on the cat tracks and then passing people and then dude. hitting side hits again and dude it'd be a whole lot easier if i didn't have to pass them multiple times and i just keep <laughs> <right>. <laughs> man I, I, yeah it happens a lot people i yeah we we, we we ride a powder king quite often it's what we've noticed is the snow itself either keeps the cold or keeps the warm and the air temperature is different than the snow temperature and that's that's a battle that happens when there's a huge extreme temperature change like where we go and uh-huh. uh, you know, yeah. you're like, okay, cool. It's gonna be like minus, you know, 15, but it's been minus 30 for a week, and the snow is holding that cold in. And you get there, and you're like, interesting. And you're stuck. Oh yeah, you need this, the snow temperature on the ski hill report, huh? Yeah, it's crazy, man. That that's a fucking, yeah. They do that at the, uh, the cross country spot. Yeah. They'll tell you the, the snow temperature. Yeah, that's big on the cross country side, hey. Yeah. Well, the ski wax is different there. Yeah, it's a, glide. a little bit more important, I guess, yeah. if you want that. Yeah, glide sticker. Glide whatnot. stick, yeah, for sure. But yeah, I've had some some days at Kicking Horse actually, where the snow was so cold, yeah, that you'd be like, you'd feel like you're on sticky slush almost. Like you'd come to the bottom of a valley, and like all the cold air would have just like sunk in that area and got the snow super cold, and you're just like, normally you'd cruise right across the flats, but you just stick like that's, and skate that's skate when you, out and you're like bone chilled cold and that's yeah. when you need a mock two blue from coup sport okay it's rock yeah, salt we've got some, i don't some cold weather coming here yeah it's rock salt. if you can on. if you can't stick your nail into this cold wax then you're on point that's the that's the wax mm-hmm. you need. when you can dig your nail into it it's like it's not hard enough yeah, the thing that sucks about it is scraping it off your oh, board afterwards. It's a pain in the ass. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you need a good scrape if it's cold. Steel. Yeah. You need to use a, a steel scraper, aluminum scraper. or Yeah, stainless steel, I think they are. Stainless, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a giver. Do, do you, um, 
So some of the stuff you, you pack in your pack, we have to just get into it now as well. Let's get into your pack here when you go riding in the backcountry, not necessarily in the freeway world tour, but when, you know, when yeah. John goes out on his own or with friends, um, what are some of the stuff you bring um, with you? I'm curious before you start answering that, John, um, uh-huh. because I know on the tour they make you or they, they might require that you wear an airbag occasionally. Yeah. Do you personally ever carry one in the backcountry? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll carry one most often. Um, I have one that just, like, it's a good size and fits everything, and the the pack's not that much heavier than a normal pack. Um, and I also think it's good to get familiar, especially for us when we're competing with an airbag pack and yeah. a little extra weight. Yeah. It's like you want to be familiar with the pack 100%. that you're riding with. So if you can use the same pack, like, every day you ride, then you're just going to feel normal doing it yeah you should so, wear that that like, neck that back brace too i've seen austin sweet was wearing it he's messing around on youtube yeah yeah i haven't really yeah, he's just worn my back brace that much outside of competition but i definitely mean to but yeah i find that i i kind of get like a little bit of a back cramp sometimes and i've got like the back brace and backpack and bib and all that stuff together it's kind of like a little overwhelming that's a lot of stuff man that's yeah. uh yeah, yeah that's is. a lot of stuff it to is. be wearing um, I mean, the back brace, obviously the key important piece, um, for what you guys are doing on the tour. Um, do, do you have a fitness regime that, no. you, that you like to stick to, like to, to prepare yourself for the tour or is mm-hmm. it, is it just ride, ride, ride? Um, in the winter, yeah, it's mostly just ride, 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 like a lot of st- for sure like stretching and then i have like you know certain exercises that i'll do more frequently like some certain squats and like crab walks and uh, mm. some like core exercises that i try to keep up with yeah yeah um but yeah as far as like training goes mostly just like mountain biking a ton in the summer and then doing like some wind sports also it's like a good core workout upper body workout too nice Nice. That's so we're pack. Let's do it. Yeah, I was just gonna say we're we're just oh, we pack. started in yeah. your pack and we kind of veered off a little bit, but because okay. um, um, I, I was just curious about the airbag thing, but um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, I'll wear one most of the time. Um, if I'm just gonna be riding like super mellow stuff on the trees, then sometimes I'll bring like a lighter pack if I'm just like kind of lazy, and don't want to bring too much. Um, but yeah, I usually try to bring like some sort of you know medical slash emergency stuff, like at least. Um, like a little like like space blanket, um, baby sack thing. Oh yeah, that are like super light, but could be a lifesaver if you ever have to spend a night or if you're injured or something like that and just need to stay warm or dry. Um, lately I've been using uh, like a waterproof face mask, um, or at least something that's like a little bit like DWR, like water resistant. And I found that to be like such a game changer for those snowy days, you know, try to get like a lot of face shots or at least ride a lot of powder and okay. the, uh, the standard like moisture absorbing buff just like doesn't really right. cut it. Those things get wet so fast. Um, but yeah, I've been using like this DWR face mask from Airhold. It's like super mm. sick. It stays totally dry on the inside all day long. Um, and that's like a pretty key thing for me is to just like not have a soaking wet face and yeah. stay comfortable. And then 
on top of that, I kind of feel that a face or like face neck gaiter or whatnot is almost like an extra layer and as much extra warmth as it'll give you on a day. So like, um, you know, that's a pretty small piece of gear to add on that can add a lot of comfort to your day. Yeah, I like what those guys are doing at Airhole. I've been wanting to talk to those guys for quite a while now. I like their hat. Mm-hmm. I've got a hat with the face mask built into it for skinning with the ear flaps oh, yeah. and a nice little, easy, huh. just a little visor on them too. I've been meaning to right buy on. one, but I'm hoping that I don't yeah, have I've to get buy their one. bucket hat version That's, of that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not a bucket hat guy. That's just yeah. me. Yeah, I mean, it's like the best like 30 bucks you'll ever spend for Dude. comfort. Did, have you heard the history of like how that came about? Like those guys are just fucking awesome. Just like, hey man, just like can't breathe. Just like take your lighter and burn a hole in the mask. Like, dude, let's just sell this. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. lighter and burn the hole, yeah, because they're lighting a joint or something. And yeah, just like happened to be in the way. Yeah, and they're like fuck, I can breathe now. Fucking right, let's do it. And they just did it. Like a bunch of kids uh, out of a bunch of guys out of uh, Whistler, just like fucking making it happen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with or without a hole, but I yeah. think just like the quality of the yeah and the extensive selection they have of different type of face masks too. Is I'm like not really a f- awesome. I'm not a fan of their like um, strap, like the belly, like the, the uh, handkerchief style that goes on your nose mm. and you Velcro it in the back. Yeah, that's the one I've been using lately. Oh, but I can't handle yeah, the I don't know. It's a little back. weird. Yeah, it's a little weird how it can like stick or like start to rotate a little bit. Well, I just find the Velcro. Maybe the one I have is like a monster. It, they try to use a face mask Velcro, trying to be cool. And I get it. It's really cool that the, the Velcro was a face mask. But oh. It was just too big. My, maybe I don't have a long enough neck. I don't know. It just kind of, okay. it's just too Yeah, I've actually, I think I've got a kid's one, actually. That, me well. so <laughs> that might be the fucking hack right there, man. That yeah, because it's got to be kind of, yeah. if it's the, the handkerchief style, it's got to be kind of tight. To yeah. In place. Yeah. My son's Versus got one. I should just jack his. He doesn't wear it anymore, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> jack his. He's got the he's got the camo one with the big like shark face with the red and big teeth. You know, a big smile. <laughs> steal his. I paid for it anyways. Fine. Get back. Yeah. Cool. There you go. Oh, I also bring uh, sometimes like a little little chunk of wax, or uh, I've got some like glop stopper, like skin wax, mm-hmm. um, just to. Like if you've got wet conditions and your skins are sticking to the snow, it's probably too late. But if you can <laughs> wax your skins up before that happens, it can make your day way better. Or even just like putting some wax on your skin and it gives you a little bit extra glide. Mm. Saves a lot of energy, especially if you're doing some like longer, flatter tours. So what? Yeah, I mean, you know, it. the skin wax thing is kind of new to me. What? Uh, what what kind of wax? Like, do you have specific skin um, wax, or are you just using like well, a, so a, like a softer board like, wax? Yeah, I have one that's like a glob stopper specifically to like stop um, water from sticking to your skin. Right. Um, but before that, I've just used like just any kind of snowboard wax. Just rub it on there. Just in, anything is better than nothing. Nothing. Yeah, but yeah. Maybe you could try to match the temperature or use some sort of kick glide wax or something. I don't know, but. Yeah, definitely like helps to just repel the water a little bit more. Yeah, I'm gonna get some of that because Q Sports says they have some, so I'm just waiting to get some of that in my mm. next little uh, yeah little goodie box. Yeah, for I mean, you, to try like them. if you don't put anything on your skins, like I've got the same skins I've had for like ten years almost. And, See, you know, if you don't um, do anything to them, they're just gonna get drier and drier. 
I can't do that. My skins didn't last me at all. I, got, I think I got six tours on them between me and the guy that bored my board. And they're just not, they're not happy anymore. Mm. It happens. I'm going to have to try the old iron on the uh, parchment paper. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I re-glued mine. After having them for a few years, just totally stripped all the glue and then put on the black diamond. Like I think it's like gold label or something like that. Yeah. Um, okay. Squeeze cube, and you essentially once you strip it all off, you just like squeeze them on and use a metal scraper, painter scraper or something, and just like smear it flat. And you can make like a pretty nice like thin layer of it, and then just let it sit, and works works pretty good for me. And then I eventually like it got a little bit sticky after a few years. And did that like iron over the uh, uh, parchment paper after that. And now it's like super smooth and sticks perfectly. Yeah, I'm going to try that. That or uh, boys over at um, Big Sky Products have told me to send my skins back to them. Um, mm-hmm. Even though they're not the same brand. But they do a re-wax, a re-gluing uh, system as well. Up okay. in Bozeman, Bozeman, Montana. They'll actually um, they'll hook you up. You know, they'll give you, you know, mail them to them, to them. Probably in the summertime would be the best time to get that done so you can actually use your skins again. But that is available also that you can get them re glued. So, uh huh. Nice. Yeah. I, I just re glued my girlfriend's skins because she got some used ones that, like, the first time put them on her skis, it just instantly adhered and left so much residue that's all over the ski. That's what's going on with this, mine. Uh, this, uh, it's like the, um, some of G3's older skin glue, it's just like horrible. It just gels up. So uh, what, but that was like a huge pain to get it off, but then re-glued it and now it's perfect. Wax remover, dude. I tried that. It didn't really work. It <laughs> no? was just like just so sticky oh. that we couldn't like really get it to dissolve in anything. Just a grinder and a sanding disc. I'll bring them. I think I ended up using just like a an iron and I was just gonna just say that heating it up and scraping it and that like worked out pretty good. I wonder if you would have brought it to a shop and get them to use the belt sander, like the um like a base grinder. Oh you might you might be buying them a new base grinder. <laughs> yeah, no doubt because you're getting all that glue in there. Yeah, they can there's a um, there's a gum they use but as if a, you got a if you got a butane torch and a scraper, I think that's the fastest there way you go. to do it. Hey, it gets it hot real quick. Hey John, what would so what's the process like doing that, like re gluing skins? Like is mm-hmm. it is it arduous? Uh it's not too bad. It's kinda like uh like minimum wage work once you're at a like <laughs> maybe the hours you spend doing it. Right. Um, no, actually it's it's not that bad. Um if your glue comes off all right, it's pretty easy. Use like essentially yeah, the best way to do it is with a a blowtorch and a scraper and you just like run the scraper through the blowtorch for a few seconds and then you just scrape a bunch of wet, a bunch of glue off and then you just like dab it on a paper towel and you repeat that process till you go down the whole skin and then putting it on is pretty simple too if you got the the glue in a tube you just kind of like squeeze a little bit on and then just smear it nice and flat and then just repeat that so you cover the whole thing and then just let it sit like overnight somewhere and you're good to go Okay. All right. All right. Haven't haven't had that issue yet. Uh, I think I got a good batch of G3s the year I bought them, mm-hmm. and nice. uh, no issues. Um, yeah, doing really well so far. Uh, if anything, I'm having issues. I think I think I might have my tail straps a little too tight, um, and I might need to back them off a little bit because I think they're being affected 
being pulled too tight and working against mm. the camber yeah. of the ski. Okay. Um, and then allowing yeah, some snow to come in on the sides, you know, but, um, yeah. but otherwise never that big an issue. Been good that way. What, uh, let's shift gears a little bit, stay on the pack side, but I'm just kind of curious what, um, what's your, f- excuse you, Chad. That was my Fernie boot. <laughs> Back on the jab of the hut. There you go. <laughs> what uh, can, can number three? Let's do it. Uh oh, we're in trouble now, folks. Um, what uh, what's your food choice for the day? Are you a big food guy? Or are you just a food? snacker? Or what? Have you seen him? Um, he doesn't eat. I like eating food. <laughs> hey, might be might <laughs> be high fucking, metabolism. I'm just fucking with you, John. Ideally, I got some leftovers that I can just bring along for the day. Perfect. Um, but yeah, I mean. I, the best thing for me is just something that I can munch on as the day goes on. Like I don't want to stop and eat some big meal or like have to prepare something or like take something out of Tupperware. I just got like a little baggie with some, I don't know, like a breakfast burrito leftover in it or something like that. It's pretty ideal. Plus like throw in an extra like granola bar or pack of gummies or something just to like add a little extra. You know, the gummies are, they're they're hitting high marks with everybody, man. Mm, yes, yeah. I gotta find some gummies for everybody to get. Yeah, I used to have a bunch of those shot blocks, and oh, yeah. those were like just pure energy. Like, have my friends starting to fade a little bit, and then like, hey, psh, eat psh. this, and then off we go. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like that. Those idea. things have caffeine in them too. Dang, Maybe I've never had a shot block. I keep hearing fast. about them. I've never seen them. Never had them. Yeah, they're pretty good. Just like adult gummies, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Sports. Jeez, I just like gummies, period, man. I CBD gummies, free. always oh, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Those too. Keep them going. Keep them going. How, what, uh, what's your water situation, John? Is it, uh, I mean. Uh, yeah, lately using a, a water bottle. Okay, um, yeah. I had this sweet little platypus bladder, um, just like with a top cap on it. Yeah but I can't seem to find it. So for now, the water bottle, but oh, yeah, so like it was like, a, it was like, like a collapsible water bag. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just yeah. like super minimal, yeah. you know, it, it maybe held like half a liter and, uh, yeah, I got one of those. Yeah. It's just, it's takes up zero space. Once I just you finish it. I just found okay. that mine taste again, just like uh camelback. You can taste that rubber. You oh, taste. Really? Yeah. Mine's like, is it a rubbery material? Or? Yeah, the bottom section is uh, is rubber. Oh. The top part's like okay. more plastic, and you can I've, put a straw in it as yeah. well. Like a We've never had that issue with um with, and I have three like all my Camelbacks. <laughs> okay, so let me put my this way: disgusting. I can't use that term. I'm not gonna yeah, there's some it. rubber compound probably. That Dude, totally. Does that all my all my hydration bladders? All three that I have are all three different brands, and one of them is platypus actually. Uh, one of them's Camelback, mm-hmm. and one of them is um, Osprey. Uh, the Osprey one I like; it, it's got the uh, magnetic clip, and you know, it keeps it under the sternum strap, and <laughs> it, it works really well. Um, but I, you know, what? After talking to all these people, uh, you know, on this podcast, and talking to all you folk about how you're carrying their water, and um, you know, I've actually kind of migrated to the water bottle this season. That's all I've been using, and it, it works really well. I find I. I sip less, you know, when I have the bladder, I'm sipping a lot and then having to blow it back you through the hose to keep it. Yeah. Yeah. And I run out yeah. a little quicker as opposed to taking that. Yeah. I, what I like about having the water bottle in the pack is it forces me to just take a little quick break, 
you know, just take a stop for a second and drop the pack yeah. and get a drink real quick and mosey on. Yeah, enjoy it a bit more. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So absolutely. Speaking of snacks, <clears throat> unfortunately, you're in Canada, so I can't get you any Sands Meal Bar. Mm-hmm. But uh, Sands Meal Bar is going to give out uh, 10 free bars to all of our listeners. And um, so you got to get in there quick. Every Tuesday, it resets. Go to www.sandsmealbar.com slash darkstarts, and you can enter in to get a free meal bar. So unfortunately, John, until the borders open up, we have you back on again. Yeah, Next time, we'll get, you, we'll get you a box of bars. But until then... I'll be uh, ready. It's all good. I have, we haven't tried them yet. They're still coming. They're, they're shipping us a bar. Uh-huh. Uh, nice. Erica says they're fantastic. She got her bars already. She was exposing them. Good she says hear. they're great. So, yeah. 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 Sometimes I'll make like a batch of like oatmeal cookies yeah. or something like super yeah. dense banana bread, something like that, and bring it along. Kind of like I think. Yeah. I think when we get our bar, but when we get our website going, we get our website going. We'll have to put a little blog on there for everybody to kind of give your your recipe. Of oh the, yeah. Of little bars because you mm. know Erica has like. Some balls, frozen balls. She was talking about or bomb energy know, balls, energy balls, and oh yeah, nice. So, Those are delicious. Yeah, like, but it'd be great to be able to share different uh, people's recipes because there's a lot of uh, a lot of options. I think it would be great to mm-hmm. share with everybody. Yeah, yeah. So anything, anything funky in your bag? I don't mean smell. I mean like <laughs> <laughs> might be a banana peel in there. Nice, somewhere. dude. From last tour. Fuck, let me see that on Father's Day. Darren and I went backpacking and I brought bananas and I had a nice meals. <laughs> Fucking three months later I go and find my bag yeah. and there's a big molded banana. Hopefully it's dried out. No then. dude it was rotting and wet still like three months later. You're lucky you're in the right environment Chad. It wasn't full of maggots <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> it was in my garage for three months finally mm-hmm. in like October I'm like okay I better wash this thing so it's stuck in the wash but yeah. That's crazy. Crazy. Uh, but yeah funky things in the bag? Uh, not really. No, nothing abnormal right now. So we talked about yeah. radios communication wise. What about um, uh, in reach or something like that? Uh, yeah, I actually got one. Uh, one of the what do you call it? In reach mini, something like that. I haven't set up the subscription for it yet, though. Need to get on that. Oh Need yeah, but yeah, those. They're, yeah, yeah super otherwise small, it's dead weight in your bag, right? Throw in the pack. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I haven't taken it out. Get, getting used to carry. What's uh what's your base layer game, John? What do you like to uh mm-hmm. what do you like to layer? Yeah, I've been using with? uh mostly Mons Royale Merino. Okay. Um yeah, it's great. The stuff like doesn't smell bad. I'll wear the same base layer for like a week, like especially Ooh. traveling. Yeah. And it just doesn't accumulate smell somehow. Just change out of it. I think it's shower, that. put on some cotton at the end of the day and Throw it back on and you're good to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, or the uh, Merino is just like naturally antimicrobial. So, Merino wool, it's, it's the shit, right? Like, it's, it's a game yeah. changer. Like, I remember yeah. back in the day, um, back in the day wearing the, uh, wearing the polypropylene, right? Like, stuff like that was the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when that, yeah, when it works when, well. Yeah. It then, does, yeah, but it stinks, it right? It just holds on <laughs> to the never washes really out. Yeah, yeah, I had this one like Helly Hansen polypropylene or something like that that was like the most comfortable, warmest, and most breathable thing at the same time. But it's just 
knowledge is, yeah, never went away. Yeah, no, Marina wolves away. In fact, uh, in fact, we've, uh, we've become really good friends with smart wool and, uh, we really enjoy mm-hmm. their products. I really enjoy their products because I am a I'm a big merino wool fan. <laughs> it's uh it's no secret. Um, I'll wear it head to toe some days. Literally, from the toque to the toes is what I like uh-huh. to say. Um, so yeah, Smart Wool, awesome merino wool products, and yeah, all the way to the toes. In fact, uh, Smart Wool wants to give you a pair of socks. Awesome. So we'd love to send you some Smart Wool socks and. Uh, Get your get your toes a little cozier out in the backcountry. Yeah, you never have too many good pairs of snowboard socks. No, no, mm-hmm. never. Mm-hmm. I still have some in the package because I haven't been out riding enough yet. We've got some Canada ones. <laughs> All mine have got I, days. I'm, I'm gonna them. send. I'm gonna make sure that I, I tell them to send you Canada socks. Oh yeah. Oh, lovely. I will. Yeah. I'm Fucking make sure of that the maple leaf, I got some the Canada red. mountain bike socks. Oh, oh sweet! Good, I there collection. They're a little bit thicker. These ones, they're like they're not too. They're thin. they're you know what they're kind of midweight. Yeah, I, I, I would like say them. between uh, what what's out there weight wise and and from my line of smart wool socks that I have, they're definitely midweight because I got heavier weight ones than those. But but yeah, no, they're great, man. I love. I mean, I'm a I'm a merino wool fan and smart wool. I've always been a fan of smart wool socks. I wear them for hiking. Um, you know, uh, day in, day out, um, you mm-hmm. know, urban wise, uh, I'm wearing the three quarter underwear long dawn right now in the oh. house because it's 40 below outside. Dang. So I'm keeping, keeping warm in the house. Uh, feels like <laughs> minus 50, bro. Fuck. It feels like plus 30 in the house right now. Sweating. Oh, furnace just kicked out. There you go. <laughs> so you're getting a goodie bag. So that's awesome. We get to get you some, uh, yeah. Go- a GoPro Perfect. grill mount, uh, some wax, smart wool. That's um, yeah. So I don't know. We've had a great talk. Let's. Uh, I think we should just end it on a great note of giving you some more goodies and. Um, Sounds good. Re- recap some. Other oh time. well, wait before we go. Uh, the the tour coming up this spring. Oh, Are yeah, you scheduled to go out on the tour this spring? Um. Yeah. The uh. Yeah. It's still planning to go on. Um. Yeah, so some, far, right? Up in the air yeah. kind of thing still? Or? Yeah, I've got a back injury that I'm recovering from, so it, oh. I might not be going. Just I can't ride at the level I need to for that right now. Right, right. Fine for just cruising around and riding good terrain when the snow's good. But, uh, yeah, as far as like being able to push it, send big drops and whatnot, I'm not at that point yet. So. At, at this moment? Yeah. Is it got a muscle? What's issue? That? Is it a muscle issue you got going on? Uh, yeah, I kind of like overworked some stuff in the late summer and fall, and then had like a back spasm going on that kind of like pulled the muscles. Do you like some CBD? So, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean the it's mostly like trying to fix the problem rather okay. than the pain. Well, but uh, we've yeah, got a uh, be helpful. We got a new sponsor on the show just recently. Just getting things going on. It's CBD Ingenuity. And I'll get you some CBD. And I'm, I'm not sure what it could be the roll on. I had some leg pain going on this morning, some calves issue because of my crawling around under a building. And uh, this thing's got 300 milligrams of CBD. It's like a roll on. It's like an armpit roll on stick. This one, mm. but uh, yeah, nice man. It's fantastic. Um, I'll see what I can make happen with uh, Mr. Jeff. I know we're just about to get everything closed up, but uh, since you got some back issues, we'll see if we can get him uh, rocking and rolling with you. 
Yeah, that'd be great. We'll hook that up. So CBD Ingenuity. There will be a discount coming, folks, for everybody in Canada only. Um, but the crazy thing with CBD and the whole THC thing is you can't ship across the border, but we can keep everything within Canada. So anybody who's Canadian can order by, and we can ship to Canada. Same thing with the Sands Meal Barn. You know, there's a couple of their sponsors that different kinds of um, products we can't ship across the border. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they can't ship beer province to province, which uh, I was kind of hoping to make that happen, but uh, <laughs> damn it. So yeah, so CBD Ingenuity, uh, this is the first speaking of it that we've, uh, we've done, but uh, I will get you something because you got to sort back, and Jeff will be stoked Great. to talk with you as well, see if we can hook you yeah. up with something. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It's Christmas. So then, so then, John, with regards to the tour this spring, is it uh, a decision? Have you made that decision already, or you, that's up in the air right now with regards to whether or not you're going to be able to to be there? Um, yeah, that it's narrowing down, and it, my condition is like it's improving, but I don't think it's going to be at the level I need it to be at by okay. the time the contest starts. All right. Um, so yeah, talk to the talk to the doctor and figure that out here shortly. Unless we get some CBD and you change your whole body. <laughs> there you go. Dude. Yeah. No, I got I to gotta not do any additional damage yeah. to it. We got one back. So That's right. I hear you. Screwed over I've, uh, I've been dosing like a mother trucker here. Um, no, no THC, purely CBD for my type 2 diabetes and a lot of the muscle cramps and the issues I've been getting. And it's, it's man, huge improvement. It's like, you know, when the pain goes away, you forget. And you're just like, oh, everything's yeah. back to normal, and you kind of forget that you've what it's taken to get there, and what, and uh, yeah, I've been it's been a month now, and I'm just like, dude, I need more because that stuff's good. So let's get something. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's been a pleasure. Now, how can people get a hold of you? Find you? Uh, find out, you know, I know I was just looking at uh, you know, Google or not Google YouTube. Uh, John <laughs> John Penfield. Oh, yeah. John Penfield, and then you. Yeah, I got uh, a YouTube. Uh, the only thing I really add to is uh, Instagram, J-O-N-N-P-O-W, and uh, yeah, livepow.com. If you're looking for snow conditions in your area, hopefully you've got it. Do you have an Instagram for LivePow as well? Uh, yeah, but nothing active yet at this point. Maybe later this season. Okay, well, we'll pump yeah. that uh, the website for sure on, on all those posts for you. No problem cool. there. Yeah. I'd like to promote that. And definitely we'll talk back again with you on that a little bit more in depth, I think. Maybe during, yes, the, for maybe, sure. maybe during the summer, like educate adding, people. Yeah, adding more to that every few weeks to you know make it a better resource. So yeah, I'd be stuck to can't you write chat code? more about that once there's more. You, you write code, right? <laughs> yeah. So why can't you write some cool code so that all happens? Yeah, like, that's, yeah that's what I'm doing. Some it's algorithms. Big, and like, the, it's a tedious process. <laughs> I, know. I, I, was I, say. I bet it is. Cool. Yeah. A lot of time we had a great chat, man. I really appreciate your time. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, guys. But, uh, great yeah, to talk thank to you, man. It's very mellow. I like your mellow tone. That's good. You're, you bring me down because otherwise I'm like Perfect. fucking 100 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. um, it's good, man. We really appreciate your time. And uh, thanks again for coming on and uh, yeah. taking the time to talk. Thanks. Yeah, keep, uh, keep the shows coming. Definitely enjoying, well, enjoying the lessons. Thanks. It means a lot to hear that from you, man. It so means a lot. Yeah. 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 From two noobs. All right, John. Take care. Have a good day. Peace. Yep. Have a good one. Later, guys. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. And a special thanks to Jonathan for taking the time to talk with us. As always, you can learn more about Jonathan in the show notes. 
If you're loving the show, please follow us on Instagram at darkstarts.podcast and share it with all your backcountry friends. Check back with us next week for our next episode where we talk with Corey Stecker, longtime rider of the backcountry, all-around adventure seeker, and guru of all things Smartwool. While you're waiting for that one to drop, go back and have a listen to our show sponsor, Abe Greenspan from Tahoe Lab Snowboards, talk about his vision behind the brand. Shout out to our show sponsor, Tahoe Lab Snowboards. They're riders who make rad, split, and solid boards for riders. Log on to TahoeLab.com and use the promo code DS15 at checkout and get 15% off your next quiver killer. And if you're looking for new gear, check out our friends at S3 Board Shop. They have a great selection of all you'll need for getting out into the backcountry. Log on to S3BoardShop.ca and use the code DS15 and get 15% discount on all your online purchases. We'd love to give a special thanks to Monica and Pat for helping to make all of this happen. Stay safe out there. Peace.